With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast where relevancy is irrelevant and we don't give a shit about your feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, it's both an honor and a pleasure to welcome the next guest to the podcast. He is a father, and I'm starting that out first because goddamn that's important. He spent 20 years on active duty, and that's four years in the Marines. Not that we're going to hold that against him. Uh, he does still have some crayon residue on the corner of his mouth. 16 years in the Navy, all of which were with Naval Special Warfare as a Navy SEAL. He's done seven deployments. That's two with SEAL Team 2 and then five with Team 6 at Gold Squadron. He has two bronze stars with Vs for Valor and has earned a Purple Heart. He is the CEO of Contingent Group, which designs custom security group options for families, business, or any type of entities worldwide. And his shoulders are so goddamn wide that Michael Bay actually hired him to be Optimus Prime's stunt double in Transformers. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, Eddie Penny. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I know it's... Uh, like a, a two hour plus drive without traffic uh, getting over here so um, I, I know you're a busy guy I appreciate you taking time out of your day to to come talk to us about both your story some uh, some shit that's gone down on deployment and also um, you know what you what you have going on now which uh, I always like to bring something uh, to the listener to, to take home with them and um, looking forward to getting into some some personal and house and travel security type tips uh, that you can offer that, uh, that people are always always interested in and I think you know, somebody with your type of background, uh, you know, who, who better to listen to than somebody that's been around the world as many times as you have to, to be able to see it and live it. So uh, looking forward to getting into it. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I always like to start off with a little bit of a lightning round um, and just throw out some bullshit questions. What uh, what's your favorite hair care product that you like to use? I don't know the name of it, but I know it's like a, and this is kind of weird, but it's like a, it's like a clay. I have no idea what it's. It's a pomade. That, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> a bomb. it works. I've tried yeah. them all. Yeah. So yeah. you gotta you gotta look the part. I, well, the appearance you, is, is is very important. You pull it off way better than I do. I, uh, Thanks, I don't buddy. use hair care products. <laughs> I, I don't have any. Or just a hat. Hat works as yeah. well too. Yeah. That's what I have to rock all the time. Uh, as big of a guy as you are, I'm curious. I know everybody else is. What's the what's the most amount of weight you've moved in any direction before uh, in terms of a max lift? 
Ugh, I'm not really one for like max lifts. I, I don't go in there and be like, all right, I want to deadlift this. I want to squat this. I want to bench this. It's really, for me, it's like therapy. Yeah. I just got hooked on it when I was in the Marines and it's been just. It's not a model of Volkswagen that you. No, it's, it's, it's not. But I mean, I've have pushed and lifted heavy things. So um, yeah, I just, you, I enjoy you're, it. You're going to punt on that one. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's all good. I, uh, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. I know as I've gotten older and shit starts to hurt in places that I, I didn't really even knew should or could hurt. Um, I don't, I don't go super heavy either. I mean, I don't. I no, don't it go. tears you up. Yeah, it definitely yeah. tears you up. No, absolutely. Um, what is the biggest misconception about you? Ugh, you know, I always get. Just by my demeanor, like, hey, I just think you'd be a dick. Yeah, you just like, uh, hey, you just well, look like a mean person. But I'm, I'm not. I'm like a big teddy bear. Yeah, we we have the the initial yeah. misconception. I mean, yeah, considering the career path that I've chosen, that we've chosen, you know, you yeah. kind of can't just go into overseas target and just be like, hey guys, let's, yeah. what's going on? Let's all yeah. share lollipops. It, it just doesn't work that yeah. way. So yeah. that's something I need to work on and kind of smile a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, no, I hear you, hundred percent. All right, uh, we just took a quick informal break. If you could hear Rico barking in the background, that is one of the, uh, we'll call it a huge benefit to running a dog kennel, is that there's always dogs coming out my ass out here, and sometimes uh, sometimes they bark. So in one episode, you may hear them snoring. Sometimes you may hear them barking. That's, uh, that's the beauty of what I do for a living, but uh, deal with it. All right, uh, next question. I, I think I already know the answer based on what you fucking pulled up in here with, but... So motorcycle, boat, sports car, or big-ass kicking truck? Truck, of course. All day long, right? Yep, all day the, long. Got the big, the big beast sitting yep. out there. Done the motorcycle twice and probably put a total of like 2,000 miles on both bikes, and I just realized that's just not my thing. I love them. I love yeah. customizing them and making them look pretty, and then once they're all done, I'm like, the weather's this, the weather's that, and I'm just too lazy to get all <laughs> to go out there and go ride. Is it more, uh, more of like chopper style, like Harley style, or like Harley's? Yeah, yeah. like yeah. you know, like a Fat Boy or you know, a Bro King, one of the bigger ones that you can kind of customize a little bit to your liking. So, yeah. but they're fun. I mean, yeah. God, they're fun. Yeah, I've never owned a motorcycle. I, uh, I'm almost convinced I'd kill myself on. Yes, one. yeah, that's. And not not because I'm good at riding it or fast, because I'm actually that incompetent at riding. A, <laughs> a lot of us uh, are. Yeah, I, I just I've hardly ever done it. But uh, favorite cereal? Oh man, that's a tough question because cereal is amazing. It's like a fucking dessert. Uh, probably s'mores. They used to have when I was a kid growing up. They had s'mores crunch, but they just came back. I think a couple years ago with s'mores. But yeah. I think that is my number one right there. It is so good. Oh my yeah. gosh. Cinnamon toast crunch, maybe a close second. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is definitely top five, Yeah, along with Fruity and Cocoa Pebbles. <laughs> Just depends on what mood yeah, you're in. I know it. Do you eat cereal for <laughs> breakfast ever? Uh, usually late night when I'm just like, the like, you know, just yeah. kind of the munchies hit. I'm like, all right, there we go. We pull out the box of cereal and with the kids and we just go crazy. We'll get into the reason for munchies in terms of supplements here in a little bit. <laughs> all right. So here, here's one that's probably going to be impossible to answer. But if for the rest of your life you get to own just one fucking gun, what would it be? It would be my SIG 320. Oh, shit. I carry it every day. Yeah. So that would be, any, I mean, if I wanted, you know, something bigger, obviously I couldn't carry around with me. So the more practical choice would be my SIG. Yeah. But not me, hands yeah. down. Easy question. Is that a, I mean, I'm not super familiar with that uh, that model. Is that a dual action as well? Okay. No, it's it's a new one. It's not like the 228 or 226 yeah. that we, you know, we kind of were trained up and raised yeah. up on. It's yeah. the 320. Uh, it's just, you know, no hammer, no nothing. It's it's amazing gun. Oh, shit. I love it. 
What, uh, what's the mag cap on that? Uh, 17, I believe. Oh, no shit. Sure. Yeah, like yeah it's, it's, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's okay. on my side right now. Yeah, I'll have to check that shit out. Uh, what is your spirit animal? Ooh. God, what eats a lot and likes to lay down? Probably the male lion. A panda? <laughs> fucking panda, maybe. Maybe a panda. <laughs> but they kind of like play too much, though. I kind of yeah. like just to like lounge around. Yeah, fucking male lion. I got it. <laughs> let, let, the, uh, let the lionesses do the hunt. And, right, uh, just, just kind of like sleep like 20 hours of the day and then stand there and get protect, up and eat. Protect the pride. All right, so here's here's a question I love to ask everybody. Uh, what does your morning routine look like? Uh, usually, you know, I got two morning routines. I have the summer because my, my children are with their mother uh, during the summertime. So school year time, I usually get up about six, down like a, you know, are we talking nutrition-wise or just everything? Yeah, really across the board because I think one of the things that, that I know I'm always curious about and I know the listeners are is that, you know, all the people that I have on are, are they generally have quite a bit going on, uh, both professionally, mm-hmm. personally, whatever. And so, uh, one of the things I, I like to kind of highlight is, is, you know, s- successful people that have a lot going on for themselves. You know, when I, when I look at, and when the listeners kind of contrast all of the different guests I've had on of what their, right. what their morning routines look like, there, there are a lot of parallels, you know, mm-hmm. there's obviously some, some nuances and some differences, but I, I love to hear about it, and I think uh, you know how somebody starts their fucking day says a lot about them, and, yeah. and I think it's good good advice for a lot of people. Yeah, first thing is I do a protein shake right away, usually with orange juice, just to get uh, some sugars in there, and then turn on my coffee, get the kids' breakfast ready. And a then, specific kind of protein? or uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's like a designer one. It's like the fewer ingredients, the better. You know, if you look yeah. on the back of protein, there's like 5,000 things. Yeah. Don't take it. Yeah. Because you're just going to, you know, shit it out. I feel so. the same way about potato chips. Right. Oh, dude, potato <laughs> chips are good. Ruffles. It doesn't matter what's the in them. Potatoes, They're oil, and salt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then get the kids, their stuff ready, get them off to school. Then I'll usually have another meal, usually uh, some eggs and some oatmeal. And then I head to the gym, head to the gym for a couple hours. If I had to run any errands out in town to run errands, and I come back and then I work. Yeah. For, for in terms of the gym routine, um, are you more of a, a traditional back buys, chest tries, legs day off kind of guy, or functional CrossFit type shit? Or uh, definitely traditional, going to the weight room more. Like Arnold was my you know superhero. Yeah. I loved him, so I bought his you know mod- his encyclopedia and yeah. kind of like read that multiple times. Yeah, uh, and that's I just enjoy it. Sometimes I'll do some cardio, I'll do some sleds, I'll do some of that kind of functional stuff, but I really just. Again, it's like my therapy. Go in yeah. there and just enjoy and, you know, kind of just get away from the world. Yeah. Listen to audiobooks or some music and then just be, you know, just get lost in it. So, yeah. Do you uh, do any type of con- like regular combatives training, jujitsu, boxing? Like Used that? to when I was in the teams, did it a lot. Um, and then pain started setting in, especially with the elbows and yeah. uh, knees. Um, very humbling experience. Uh, you know, I went, we did a course over in Holland uh, to Golden Glory. And it was two weeks, I believe. That's where they got a lot of good. Uh, Boss Rutten came out of yeah. there. Uh, Alistar Overeem came out of there. And I got worked by this 150-pound kid with a mullet wearing a colored shirt and Muay Thai uh, <laughs> shorts. Yeah. And I had a whole new respect for the game. And I mean, just this kid's been doing it for years, yeah. years and years. And I mean, his kicks were so powerful. I was like, okay, definitely carry firearms. <laughs> like, just in case, like, the kid with the mullet comes up. But no, it was very humbling. Learned a lot. Um, since since the teams, I really don't do that much. I mean, like, I'll, you know, grapple once in a while with a buddy or something like that. Um, yeah. But no, not not too much. Yeah. I'm usually like a bar, like a brawler. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm counting on my punches knocking you out. <laughs> yeah. Fucking, uh, the, uh, it was like the Toby Keith song, right? 
Uh, not as good as, as good as I once was. was. Yeah. yeah, good, good as once. Whatever <laughs> Thank God the fuck for the Second yeah. Amendment. <laughs> yeah, that's a no shitter. My, uh, my probably should get back into it though. Definitely. I mean, I think it's great. You got to be well rounded with yeah. shooting, uh, knowing what's going on, and then obviously yeah. uh, combatives. I, you know, to me, I think it's it's like with anything, and that there's an element of of that happy medium. And I think guys with our background and from our community, especially have a, a real problem with happy mediums. You right. know, it's like, it's either balls to the fucking wall. You're all in and it's wide fucking open, you know, or it's like, nah, yeah, we're good. I'll fucking do it some other time, <laughs> yep, you know, yep. like, the, oh, yeah. and I think with, especially as for me, I know as, as I get older and, and tearing my tricep the way I did grappling, like I'll go back to doing it, but it'll be, very calculated and measured in terms of who it's, I roll with and, and yeah. how hard I go. And, you know, cause for me, like, I mean, this is a seven to nine month fucking recovery. Like I, I can't, sucks. Yeah, I mean, I can't afford to, to be hurt like that right. and, and with what I do for a living. So, um, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's you, you gotta be more fucking careful. Absolutely. Absolutely. In terms of a travel routine, you travel a lot. Um, I haven't recently in the last probably six, seven months, but yeah. usually I would do a lot of trips, uh, mostly international trips for yeah. clients. Is that, does that morning routine change much when you're uh, when you're on the road, or you try to keep it consistent? Uh, it changes a lot because you're kind of like whatever is going on overseas for that client that you're kind of on their schedule, and you kind of got to get up before them, make sure things are good, vehicles are prepped, um, you know, their office, whatever venue they're going to, everything's all set and ready. So yeah, it's it's long hours, little sleep, um, but in the end, you know, keeping the client safe and make sure everything's safe and yeah. good is you know it's all it's always worth it in the end. Was most of that stuff like uh, like private protection or personal protection type. Yeah, it, we we do see we do like the whole like spectrum of it. So like before they leave, we're doing, you know, intelligence gathering, monitoring social media, all that stuff, uh, natural disasters, running their office security, vehicles, transportation, getting from point A to point B, multiple routes and then obviously protecting the client or it could be clients. It just yeah. depends on what's going on. So Every client's different. It changes yeah. all the time. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it, it, there's a lot that goes into it. And really, it's not really the guy that's down there. It's like kind of our guys up here that are monitoring all the in intelligence and all that stuff and yeah. kind of prompting us like, hey, this is happening right now. You know, there's a protest. Yeah. Don't go that route. So okay. it's a, definitely a team effort. Yeah. I, you know, I'm curious about stuff like that because these are, are primarily civilians, right? That you're, that you're, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you ever have issues, and, and we'll get into it further down the road, but just made me think of, uh, like, I'm curious, having not really done any of that other than working with some clients that want dogs that I know some of the, excuse me, some of the issues I've run into, but typically people that have that kind of profile, that type of resource in terms of finances uh, can be a little difficult to fucking deal with. Uh, like... Yeah. How, how do you strike that balance of like, you need to do this? Well, I don't want to fucking do that. And it's like, well, here's the fucking deal. Like, if you want me to protect you, you're going to fucking listen to me. Like, have you run into issues where, where that was a big, big problem? Um, I've heard of issues where that's a problem. We've been very blessed that our clients are very good. They're, they're pro what we believe, like, uh, you know, the pro military, all that good stuff. So we, we have a, we have a, I'm friends with most of them. We text each other, you know, Merry Christmas. It's not a really a, I mean, it's professional, but it's also a friendship. Yeah. Uh, but I have had clients where, you know, they think they know what's better when, yeah. you know, you're kind of the resident expert. It's kind of like me going into a doctor's office and they're saying, hey, we need to do knee surgery. And I'm saying, no, it's actually my elbow that needs it. <laughs> so it just, yeah. it kind of, they kind of figure why, they kind of forget why they um, hired you. Yeah. You know, you're, you are the expert. That's, yeah. you know, it's, it yeah. just doesn't make sense sometimes. Yeah. So you just kind of 
smile and wave. Yeah. Okay, roll, sir. Roll with it. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I run into that sometimes. I mean, the same thing. Like most of my clients are, are really good people and and, uh, and and great to deal with and, and everything. But occasionally there are, are some that have either unrealistic expectations. Yeah, they're, they're or, definitely out there. That's for sure. If there's yeah. horror stories. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. So in terms of your childhood, where, uh, where are you from? Originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, shit. Yep. What was that like growing up there? Uh, it was good. Played sports pretty much the whole time. I was always in sports. Um, parents were divorced. My mom raised me, but I would, you know, did like the see my dad every other weekend and like once or twice during the week. Uh, good relationships still with both of them. I mean, really, sports kind of just run my life. And then um, in high school, I started playing. I started playing football probably fifth or sixth grade. Then I got to high school and just like getting around all these guys because I was a late bloomer. Yeah, I told my dad, I'm like, man, I, I don't think I can play football. Like these guys are huge. Yeah, so I quit uh, football my freshman year because I mean it was just I was so small and I uh, was going to be sitting on the bench anyway. So I had a good buddy. He's like, hey, why don't you try the swim team? I'm like, I'm not going to swim. I'm good. I can swim. <laughs> so I joined the swim team oh, and shit. did it for all the way up until my senior year. It was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, it, and it helped out with my career path, obviously. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, I, I swam too. I it, Kind of a similar thing. Like I played football. I played all all sports growing up. And up until about sixth, seventh grade, I was on par with everybody else. And mm -hmm. I just stopped fucking growing. Yeah. And, and, until my junior year. And so the one thing, I mean, I swam from the time I was five, but like at that time I was like, well, I guess I'll be fucking swimming from now on. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, I, like I was five, four, 105 pounds as a sophomore in high school, you know, I was getting treated like a fucking schoolgirl, literally. Yeah. Uh, I know the feeling well, Yeah, but that's a, that's a funny shit. <laughs> it's just not fair. Yeah. No, it sucks. But <laughs> maybe um, that's why I'm addicted to the weight room. I'm like, I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no shit. I mean, I didn't start putting real weight on until after I was fucking 30, honestly. Mm -hmm. well, um, not that it was fake weight before. Um, anyway, so in terms of the, the parents and, and siblings, the family dynamic, you said your parents were, were they divorced the whole time or I think I want to say I was probably like seven or eight. Yeah. I had no siblings. I did have a cat though. Yeah. And I tortured the heck out of that poor cat. Um, all right. So tell me about uh, torturing pussy as a young man. <laughs> yeah. And, and you still do to this day, yeah, don't you? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, that was like, um, it, yeah, I just never really had brothers, never had brothers and sisters. So I never really had that family dynamic. It was always, uh, you know, people say, oh, you're an only child. It's all about you. But it's like, okay, sorry. Is that my fault? Yeah. Like, the, you know, my parents didn't have yeah. other siblings, so I don't. I don't really have that. I wish I did. You know, yeah. just to like more families. You know, nieces and nephews, all that good stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah that's just yeah. wasn't in the plan. Did uh, did them separating uh, have a have a profound impact, or was it? I don't. I don't think so. Uh, you know, as I'm getting older, I realize that maybe I did have some. I do have some issues with that. But you know, growing up, I didn't find it to be weird. I mean, a lot of the. A lot of teen guys that come from you know divorced families raised yeah. by their mother. It's yeah. it's um it's a it's quite a big percentage if I'm not mistaken, like sixty or seventy percent. It's kind of yeah. weird. So yeah, um, so no siblings did uh, in the sports that you played. Did you find uh, you know camaraderie the, like the camaraderie and the of you know, the relationships? What uh, what other sports? It was football and swimming. But were there football, swimming? I did baseball. Did basketball for a year or two. I sucked at that. Um, Soccer, of course, that was more in the younger years. Uh, got into rock climbing for a little bit. Um, I'd say I'd say my biggest one, obviously, is like baseball, football, swimming. Those, yeah. are, the, those are the big three yeah. that I did. Never and, uh, any hockey or anything like that. 
And so as you went through high school, did you focus more on swimming? Uh, Absolutely. It was yeah, just swimming. Just I swimming. It was a year round sport. I would yeah. do, I swam for the Y. My coach was a huge inspiration for me. Uh, great. I mean, great, amazing man. He passed away uh, end of my, or beginning of my senior year. And when he passed away, I kind of quit. I should, I shouldn't have quit, but I didn't quit. Yeah. Uh, that was probably my, I think one of my main mistakes is like quitting. Like you just don't do that. Yeah. that like, obviously we know that from our training that we've done that you don't quit, but I quit. I just like, I just, my motivation was gone. I was like, I was inspired by him and I just felt like a big piece of my heart was kind of ripped out yeah. at that time of my life. That was during your senior year? Uh, very like before senior year started. Oh, yeah. Okay. He passed away right before there. So, Larry Lyons, really good guy. So you didn't swim your senior year? I did not swim my senior yeah, year. Damn. Um, in terms of success swimming, did, did you have any, like what was your event? Uh, I did distance freestyle and backstroke. And I, I mean, I made it to districts, never to state, because uh, I only swam three years. I mean, there were some guys, I mean, definitely using performing performance enhancing <laughs> drugs uh so they no definitely shit. they definitely took the the titles you had fucking dudes juicing in high school oh my god they had to be because they were ginormous yeah. it's like you are perfectly chiseled like I, like how do i do that I'm like oh that's just the way that school is like yeah. i don't think so <laughs> yeah. i think they're injecting something yeah so, fucking testosterone yeah. with their wheaties yeah god damn that's fucking nuts or some cinnamon toast crunch yeah just well, a bunch of that yeah. <laughs> oh christ um were there any big events other than it sounds like your coach uh, passing uh, in high school that that were significant or impactful that uh, that either drove you to serve or or take the certain path that you did? Um, my dad, my, when I was with my dad on the weekends, we would always watch you know the Sylvester Stallone movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, you know RoboCop, like all those movies. So I was like filled with that. I was like, I want to be the big guy. I want to go kill bad guys not really understanding what all that meant. Um, so really like the military for me, um, I mean, there was a, there was a time frame where I was like, I think I read the client and the firm from yeah. John Grissom. I was like, I want to be a lawyer. <laughs> and then like, I think there was like a time like, oh, I'll be a doctor, but then they could, it kept always going back to the, you, you to look the military. like a lawyer and a doctor. Yeah. Right. I would not fit in there. <laughs> could not sit behind a desk. Um, but no, I just always wanted to do that. And I just like, I, I, I loved it. I mean, I'd be, I mean, even when I was a kid, I would put on cami, cami paint, yeah. put on camouflage and I'd go like hide and run around the neighborhood. I think we could call that peeping Tom now. So, but, but back then it was actually <laughs> yeah. legit. I was just yeah. like, I thought I was training myself, yeah. like yeah. something I'd see. And then obviously the movie Navy <laughs> Seals, I mean, God, yeah. like that's a recruiting piece no, in itself. So. Um, so during, during that time, uh, did you, in terms of the relationship with your dad, did you guys shoot and hunt and, and that kind of shit? Uh, no, I, I did hunting with my uncle, like squirrel hunting a couple of times, never really did any hunting whatsoever. Yeah. Really the first time I really, really shot was when I went to basic in the Marine Corps yeah. down in Paris Island. So yeah, sure. that was the, that was the first time. I mean, minus BB guns, but, uh, not, not real shooting. Yeah. No, I, I was very similar that way. Like I was hyper focused on sports as was my dad. He, he wasn't a big shooter or hunter. I mean, we, you know, he had a few guns and, and took a shooting a couple of times, but, uh, same thing. Like a, a lot of these guys, I'm kind of, there's an element of a little bit of being jealous of like guys that, you know, their dads had them in fucking, you know, on hunting trips at right. fucking eight years old and whatever. And some of the field craft that they brought to the Navy, oh like, gosh, right. you know, it was light years ahead of guys like us, but, but that's why you watch movies yeah, because yeah, if you watch them, you do, you learn it all like <laughs> yeah. in two hours. Yeah. It's fucking reader's <laughs> digest. <version>. Done. <laughs> um, so, so joining the Marines first, what, uh, was there a specific, uh, highlight or, or, you know, 
whether it's an event or an influence, a person that, that really drove you to, to join? You, you know, it's kind of funny as I always wanted to be a SEAL. Like that was the number one thing. And then I had a buddy that I swam with that was a year ahead of me. So when he graduated, he joined the Marine Corps and he went to Paris Island and I went down to his graduation. And, you know, for the graduation, you go down like a day before, you get to see like the obstacle course and see people training and marching. And I just like, I was like, yeah, I, I need to be a Marine. I want to be a Marine. I just like, I fell in love with it like instantly. Yeah. Uh, so that was my choice for, for the Marines. And, and once I was in, you know, I was like, okay, well, like, I, like it just wasn't, I wanted more. Like yeah. I was, I wanted to go overseas. I wanted to fight. I wanted to be in combat. Like I really wanted it. Yeah. And, and of course you want it until you really like experience it. And you're like. Mm -hmm. Wait a oh, second, these guys are shooting back. This yeah. isn't the same thing. Yeah. This isn't what the movie showed me because yeah. he was like smiling and had all these cool one-liners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was that was the reason why I went to the Marine Corps right there was yeah. uh, a good friend of mine. Yeah. Did you, uh, was it just infantry or what, what did yeah, you Yeah, I was 0311 infantry, uh, did four years there. I tried, they used to do a crossover at three years. You could switch over to the and try SEALs, but I had to be completely out. I even tried, I had uh, 190 days on my terminal I was like, hey, can I just use my terminal, go straight over to the Navy, get this process started, like take my days, I don't need money, just I wanted to go to Bud's. So I had to get out, I was out for one day because I have to you know, check your urine, make sure you're not popping, doing any drugs. And then I, after that I went to Chicago uh, to transition processing unit. I was there for three months. At that time there wasn't a SEAL rating, so I had to do Gunner's Mate A School up in Chicago, which was six months, I believe. And then I went to Bud's. Was it what, uh, what year did you graduate? Oh God, 2000, uh, 2000, 2002, I graduated Buds. Okay. What, uh, so what year did you graduate high school? 96. Okay. So shit, we're the same age. Uh, so you can't, you joined the Marines right out of high school. 17 years old. Yeah. I had to, mom and dad had to sign for yeah, me. Just, 18th birthday yeah. was in boot camp. Yeah, <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking awesome. Um, was now when you were in the Marines, I mean, knowing, did you not know about, uh, force recon or, or did like, I, what, what did that ever cross your mind to just stay in and go that route? I did, you know, like I'm, I'm a big thing of, um, especially now, like, you know, certain things that we were talking earlier about business a little bit, like certain things happen for a reason. Um, I wanted to be a Marine sniper cause I read all the, you know, Carlos Hathcock books and I really wanted to be a, a, a sniper, a Marine sniper. Cause I have a great school. I just heard all these great things. Of course you hear how great it is once you're in the Marines. Like, Oh, it's the best. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best. Then you get to the seals like, Oh, this is the best. This is the best. But you know, I was, I mean, I was a young kid, 18, 19. You don't know anything. Like yeah. I, I didn't know anything, but I, I really wanted to be a Marine sniper, but to be a Marine sniper, you have a, a marksman sharpshooter and rifle expert that you have to do on the gun range. So I was sharpshooter and I missed it by one point. So I went to my um, my platoon sergeant. I'm like, hey, can I please go back to the range? Because they won't accept you into sniper school unless you're an expert. Yeah. And I and I went two more times, and both times I missed it by one point. Oh shit! I was never a <clears throat> rifle expert. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, and, and I like I look back now. I'm like, if I would have made that, I probably would have stayed in the Marines. Like, who who knows what my my you know my route would have looked like? Yeah. So now I like I'm so glad I missed those. I, I really feel like I kind of God saying, hey, th this isn't my plan. Yeah. That this isn't my plan for you at all. So. Yeah. Uh, and then when I went to the SEALs, it's like shooting clicked, training clicked. Obviously, you got better optics and like you can yeah. do whatever the heck you want. Like, hey, yeah. here it is. Yeah. Um, and they're more about you. Like, hey, let's train you. It's not like, all right, we're going to train 200 people together. It's like, hey, we're going to train, you know, you six. Yeah. It's so, not the lowest common right, denominator. Right. So, yeah, that, that was... That was the dream, though. Like Marine sniper, let's go shoot some guys. That's that's what I want. That's what I want. Were, were you aware of Force Recon while you were in? I was, but I was also aware that they weren't very well funded. Yeah, 
and uh, that well, especially the, at that time, like two thousand. Yes, I don't. I don't think they were part of Marsoc or, or, excuse me, SOCOM. And yeah. I think they became part of SOCOM literally uh, a couple months after I left yeah. the Marines. Yeah. But I didn't care. I was like, all right, focus. Yeah. Uh, SEALs. That's it. Yeah. That's all I want to do. And so with that, with that transferring over, obviously, I know with Marines, they don't have to go. You didn't have to go through Navy boot camp, right? I did not. Yeah. No. And then, so what? What can you walk us through that process of like? You're out for a day, and then you go through the, the TPU unit, uh, and then it's, you know, gunner's mate. Like, what was that? Uh, I, I can only imagine the transition, having gone through Navy boot camp, having worked with enough Marines. Like, did you about lose your fucking mind dealing with? Yeah, so, like, for TPU, like, you go straight over there, and there was other Marine Marines there that were my age that were in infantry. Um, a lot of good dudes. There was actually, it's kind of funny, there was two guys. That, no, actually, those in Buds. I'll, we'll get to that later. Uh, we, it, your TPU days were just like literally waiting on paperwork. So yeah. we would go work out. We'd go have lunch. We'd come back, take a nap, or go work out again. <laughs> Sounds like a SEAL deployment. It, it was like, it <laughs> was like, it was like, <laughs> I mean, it was really just like, okay, then they would try to do, give you some bait. They would give you like basic, like try to learn, I think, anchors away. Still don't know that. <laughs> I, you just like, it's like, dude, I want to be a SEAL. I want to go to combat. I don't care about these. Like, I don't care how to fold my shirt. Yeah. Uh, but, but did not have to go to the boot camp, the yeah. Navy boot camp, thank God. So, yeah. I mean, it was just like reading. I did a lot of reading, did a lot of working out. And then they had a, um, I think it was called a, um, uh, dive, dive motivator, I think is what the program was called. Yeah. Every morning you would get up and if you want to do the seal thing at a certain point, um, you know, you go running with them and they beat the crap out of you for a little bit up in Chicago, which is kind of cold sometimes. Oh yeah. And you get a little taste of it and you're like, okay, I got this. I got, yeah. this is cool. Yeah. But little did you know what was waiting on the West coast for you. Yeah. yeah no <laughs> well, so, so you go through gunner's mate, uh, a school and then you go from that straight to buds, right? Straight to buds. What, uh, what class was that? Two three seven. Two three seven. Yep. Um, what uh, What was your experience? Um, I always like to ask team guys, you know, your perception of what it was going to be like, especially with four years of military. Because did you, did you do any deployments in the Marines? I did no deployments. Oh, shit. Zero deployments. So I was I was stuck in Quantico, Virginia, and it's kind of like my time there. My first year in Quantico after I get out of. Because I even said, I even told when they told me my orders, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm infantry. I should be going to a deployable unit. Like, no, you're going to go train officers. I'm like, how am I going to train officers when I don't even know what the hell I'm doing? Like, I, I, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, that makes zero sense. Like, no, you're just going to be a shooting dummy pretty much and play paintball and all that stuff. Yeah. But the first year I was there, I was in the field, like in the woods over 300 days. Jesus. Talk about learning field craft. Yeah. Like, I, like navigate. I mean, it was a it was a crappy experience. It was also an awesome experience at the same time. So I can only imagine that uh, benefited you going to buds and being in the seal team. Absolutely. But buds for me, honestly, I mean, there are times that it sucked, but having a little bit of maturity behind my belt and knowing what it was, knowing it was a game. I mean, hearing guys saying, I didn't know the water was going to be that cold. Like, do your research. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know, know we were going to, like, guys like, oh, I've been, I've been training to, you know, for, to sleep deprive myself. Like, that is not possible. <laughs> You're going to be tired. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really did not, um, I made it through Buds the first try, never failed an event at all. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed Buds. I mean, it sucked, but the camaraderie, like we talked about yeah. the teamwork thing, I, dude, I just feed off of that. Like, yeah. the drill instructor's like, oh, we're going to beat you down. Like, I feed off of that. Like, yeah. Try to break me down. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's go. I, you know, to me, there's. Uh, I find myself, especially as I get older, and I'm sure some of it is glossed over with rose memory glasses in terms of what Buds was like. But I, I find myself reminiscing um, you know, and looking very fondly uh, on some of the times that, while agreed, like it was just getting 
throttled in the fucking nuts. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the relationships and brotherhood and, and bond that you form with these guys and just the stupid shit that you guys do together it's and all priceless. that. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I fucking, I, I miss that. I miss I, that about yeah, the SEAL teams. I, you know, it's, there, there's nothing that I've come across, even, even with doing, you know, you, you have a, a line of work that's, you know, related and, mm-hmm. and as do I, even with that, like even getting in a bite suit, whatever, like it just, it's just not the same, you no. know, but um, but yeah. they say misery loves company. When you yeah. and your ass kicked together, yeah. man, if there's yeah. just something that happens right there, no, it's, just, it. it's amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, so you get ready to graduate, buds. Did you want to go to the East Coast? The team I did. Two? So you requested two. Uh, yeah, I asked. I asked for actually. I got my first choice. I asked for Team Two, uh, Team Eight, and Team Four, I believe. And back then, it was like based off regions. And really, because my ultimate goal was to get to development group. That's yeah. what I wanted to do. And I've heard like the the influence is better there because if guys get kicked out or they want to take a break, they go to the regular teams and you can kind of yeah. learn from them. So that was the reason why I chose that. And I also thought San Diego, I was like, knowing myself and my addictive personality, <laughs> I can just see me partying way too much. And yeah. I did not want that. So yeah. um I made the command decision. East yeah. Coast, it is. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly a lot of truth to that. I know my uh, my requests. I did two, eight, and three, and I ended up getting three. But for the same reasons, like I think going through buds, a lot of the instructors always kind of hammer like East Coast is harder than the West Coast, and you know, yeah. it, it's closer to damn neck, and you know, whatever. And and uh, but you know, it's it's funny hearing different guys take on mm-hmm. on their time, what you know, what coast they spent on, and, and why, and all that. But uh, what was the the couple of deployments that you did at, at Team Two like? I mean, because that was post nine eleven. It was yes, yeah. Actually, nine eleven happened when I was in second phase of buds, yeah. and we were all like, "Hey, are we going to get pushed through this training quicker? Do they need us?" Like we're just like <laughs> you're graduating. We're today. Like, oh, we're good. Here, we take this clep test. You're yeah. done. <laughs> well, well, yeah. One, so one thing on that. I mean, what uh, I would love to get your your uh, impression and take on on what that was like being in SEAL training post Hell Week. When nine eleven happens, I had uh, another team guy on on the podcast yesterday. As a matter of fact, and he was in boot camp when nine mm-hmm. eleven happened. But you know, being a considerably more hyper focused on going right. to the SEAL team, especially for those that that aren't aware, like you know, once you make it through Hell Week, it's not a guarantee that you're going to graduate, but it's pretty rare that people don't. Um, you know, it, it happens, but uh, you know, it's it's almost you know you're 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 anticipating being a seal of know, course by the time you get into second phase like you're you're pretty goal oriented that way so what what was there an impact in your mind in terms of like holy shit now it's real not that it wasn't before but can you walk us through the mentality you had then yeah i, I remember um I, we were we were at the chow hall or what are they the navy calls it the galley i think yeah um i get confused between both services yeah. the cafeteria i think is the yeah. proper word yeah. for it now um and i was getting my tray and i was setting it down and the everyone's just kind of like stopping and everyone's just like because they got this they have the tv screens in there and I was like, "Whoa, what's going on?" And we start talking about it, and like, you know, you kind of find out what's going on. And one of the one of the uh, our buds instructors, his his wife was a flight attendant who was actually in that area, so he kind of got the information on it. And I just remember it was kind of like a mindset change. Like, yeah, we want to go do something, but there really wasn't stuff going on. Like, you know, like, you know, now you hear like, "Oh, we did this one op. All right, that's awesome." It's just like a mindset, like, hey, this is real now. And it kind of changed your training instead of, hey, I need to push this through to like to get my trident. Now it's like I need to push this through to stay alive, keep my buddies alive, be alive for my family when I come home. Yeah. So there was there was a switch, absolutely. It yeah. made things um more real. Did you notice that paradigm shift class wide? Like was the whole was there kind of a 
I, I don't, I don't think so. You're kind of like, you know, you're kind of like, oh, I need to make this through here. You know, you want your bow crew to do great, but you, but in the end you're like, okay, like I can't get injured. I don't want to do this. I got to do the right things. I got to make these times. Um, I mean, there was definitely a lot of talk about it, but I guess not really knowing what it was before either. I guess I was kind of, you know, you do something for a while, your vision kind of opens up a little bit instead of just looking through the toilet paper roll, yeah. you know, we start to see 360. Um, I, I, I really couldn't tell, but I mean, there was definitely a lot of talk like, hey, we're going to be like, wow, yeah. like we're going to be busy. Shit's about to get real. It, it is about to get real. Um, and it did. Yeah. That's no <laughs> shit. Yeah. For a long time. Shit for, yeah, still is. For the whole um, career. So you go to uh, team two. Can you uh, give us a kind of a synopsis on what uh, what that experience was like? Uh, going to team two, I was definitely nervous. You're like, oh, we got it because I, I, we were the first or second class where they actually gave you your Trident after SQT. So mm. you do, you know, you do your buds, you go do basic training down to Fort Benning, you come back, you do SQT. Uh, there was no Halo, Hey Ho, free fall training then. Uh, you would get that in the teams, and you're and you're nervous, like, oh, these going to be all these, you know, and and I was like. I started hitting the weight room hard again. I think I, when I graduated, I was 193. I left SQT. I was like 225. Jesus Christ. So like I go check in, like I'm going to skip, I'm going to get stomped. And I'm like looking around, I'm like, all right, you're going to get stomped. (laughs) So, uh, so, you know, me, like I kind of back then and still sometimes I like to run my mouth. um, Just kind of like, Hey, I'll show you, I'll show you, like, I'll show you what I got. Uh, Cause I like competition. I love it. Uh, but I, I checked in. It was awesome. And I was so fortunate that um, my task unit chief was a guy from, from development group. Yeah. He was actually from Gold. Yeah. And he was there. I did two platoons with him and another guy that was a breacher at Gold as well. Um, they had got into some trouble. Uh, nothing, nothing crazy. When did they had to do a year in the regular teams? But the knowledge and the wisdom that they brought to us was insane. I mean, it was... That really was a marker. And I mean, those guys are mentors to me. I still reach out to them. They're, they're great guys. Uh, one of them actually went on to be the command master chief at Team 6. Oh, sure. um, so we actually went, when I went to Green Team, he went back to Gold. And then after um, after Green Team, I got selected to go, obviously, to Gold Squadron. Yeah. Was and that? I think it was a lot because of him. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was good. I was with him the whole time. It was, it was yeah. amazing. That's fucking great shit. So, but yeah, going to the teams and like learning... Cause you think you know what you're doing. Oh, I'm a seal now. I got to try them. But then you're like, you don't know anything. Yeah. You don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean the, the first couple of fucking platoon trips, you're like, holy shit. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. Exactly. But the, obviously, you know, four years in the Marines knowing about yeah. weapon systems. And I mean, that obviously helped a lot, but, yeah. uh, but still, you know, your, your guys that have, you know, back then you got guys that have four or five, six platoons. That's yeah. a lot of training. Yeah. I mean, that is a lot of training under your belt and they're just kind of looking, I mean, God knows what they're looking at you like. All right, you're just like a little freshman. You don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know oh, what I, I mean? It. So no, I know it. But uh, but everyone's good about like teaching you. Like hey, like, like they weren't jerks. Like hey, here you, this is you could do this better by this way. You know there yeah. was there was always that. So yeah. that was good. Was uh, was your time at Team Two in terms of the deployments and and just the whole experience there? What uh, what types of deployments did you do there? Uh, deployment number one, it, we were kind of jerked around. I'm sure you probably were done that. You're going to Germany. Okay, now you're going to the Philippines. It's like what? That, that's a West Coast duty, or not? Now you're going to Africa. Yeah. Now you're going to Iraq. Okay, then it's Afghanistan, and then it ended being Iraq. So we were going up to Missoula. Um, we did two months of Missoula, uh, kicking indoors, doing direct action. It was awesome. You know, had our vehicles. We had an interrogation center to, um, you know, when we brought back our detainees um, to try to get you know follow on ops. 
And then after two months, we're like, this is the best deployment ever. The whole PSD, the personal security for the new interim uh, Iraqi government kicked off. So we, I still know the story how we got the SEALs got volunteered. So we packed all our stuff and like, oh, there was just all these SEALs came in. And uh, our platoon actually had the uh, Prime Minister Alawi. Oh, God. Uh, a great guy. Great guy. He was actually, I don't know if people, a lot of people don't know the story, but he, um, Hussein sent his henchmen to go kill him in, in, in Britain. No oh, shit. And they took a hatchet to him. I mean, he's got scars all over his face, his hands. Uh, they didn't kill him. Like his wife and uh, him were in bed and they just took a hatchet to him, tried to kill him. They didn't kill him. Jesus but now, now, he's the, now he's the Prime Minister. God damn. So it was crazy. I mean, like roadside bombs, um, learned a lot about security. So taking that experience, like the worst case scenario into contingent group, the company that I have that, that we have now. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's It's definitely pays off. It's a direct fucking transfer. Completely. So, I mean, what were there times where, uh, while you're protecting him, I mean, did you guys get hit? Um, Uh, we had close encounters. Never. We had like random fire, uh, I think we had one or two roadside bombs or that were in the vicinity rockets that were directed at his office, but nothing like, Hey, we're in the shit right now. Yeah. There was none of that. We, I mean, which is good. That means you're doing your security yeah. well. So, um, yeah, I mean, from it, a planning standpoint. Exactly. So yeah. we, we, uh, no, nothing, yeah. nothing crazy. Yeah. Was that experience? I mean, cause I, you know, we did. Uh, some of that, but never, never real. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we trained some of it in, in Kuwait and, and a few other places, like in the event that, that we would get stuck doing it. Right. I say stuck, but you could say stuck. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone I mean, wants to kick indoors. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, comparing <laughs> it to fucking DAs for sure. It's, it's getting stuck, but the, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, from the amount of experience you had doing it, was there, um, you know, a perception of this is what it's going to be like. And then this is now what it is. Cause I know for me, and you know maybe it was the same for you but like i i did a full deployment workup and deployment pre 9 11 mm-hmm. uh, and a shit ton of training before we ever did any real world stuff i mean right. my first deployment was in the coal got bombed and we did some some real world stuff there but you know by comparison to what's going on now and, and since then not really but my point is is that i know all of the the years and thousands of hours we had training is that like that first couple of real world missions we did, like it, it, I would say it almost went out the fucking window. Like things were so fucking different than, than what I was expecting and how we had trained. Was it that same way with the PSD? I can remember my first stop. Um, cause I was a breacher at the time. I did, I didn't, I, oh, excuse me. I was assistant breacher. I didn't breach it, but I was the first guy in the door. Uh, cause that was a bigger dude. And I'll never forget it. There was a dude in white man jammies and we go in to do a room clearance and it's just like, it's because it's the first one for all of us for the most part. And there's a brief second of, you know, like deer in the headlights, like what's going on. And I remember dropping my rifle and going up to the guy with the man jammies and picking him up and just slamming it down. He didn't have a weapon on him and just like pretty much choke slammed him, <laughs> went down. And then the train, it kind of like picked up like, okay, oh, we trained for this. And yeah. then we were gone. Yeah. And then after that, it was just like, you know, it was just like, you know, flowing water. So, yeah. um, but yes, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Seeing that guy's little beady eyes in my night yeah. vision. Yeah. And they just go dropping the weapon because he, he had nothing on him and just you know taking Stanley. him down that was yeah. that was my first stop I, I'll, yeah. it's ingrained in my memory yeah <laughs> in, in terms of the psd stuff was it was it a similar thing like when you were doing it for real it was different or was it pretty a lot of us were depressed to do that job after kicking in doors and you're you know you're breaching doors and you know i mean you're you're taking it to the enemy where you, you you're, you're you're resting them or taking them down because uh, it's a there's a satisfying feeling with that 
PSD is a little bit different. Um, you know, you're kind of waiting to be hit. Yeah. You know, it's a totally different, totally, totally switches on so you. Reactive and stuff. Yeah. Proactive. You're just waiting for it and you got to like try to take the right um, countermeasures for that. So it's a, it was a big switch. Um, it wasn't as fun, yeah. but in the, you know, the, the grand scheme of things, obviously it was a very important thing because we're in establishing a government. Yeah. Like people don't realize that they're like, Oh, you just go over there and you kick down doors and you kill people. But there's, there's a big piece. Like we're putting in a new government that doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's a big, that's a big job, especially when a lot of people are corrupt and you don't know yeah. who they are. Yeah. And a whole shitload of people are trying to kill you. Half, and and half, that half of which are four right. fighters. Random and, mortars. You know, here yeah. we go. Yeah. Let's, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so in terms of the PSD stuff, is there one or two things or, you know, a couple of things that stand out as being things that once you did it for real world and doing what you do now that really stick out as like textbook principle lessons learned that, that you that you bring to what you do now? I guess what is good that we that I can bring to contingent group. And, and again, I don't, I don't like to say I because it's a team definitely that runs that company um, is that. I, I think I believe that I saw worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this can happen. Yeah. This is what you need to do if this happens. You know, a roadside bomb goes off and there's bodies everywhere and you got your client and you can't get anywhere. Like, how do you, how do you, what do you do? Yeah. So like the contingency piece, I mean, we're very, I mean, contingent group. Yeah. I mean, we're big on contingencies. Like we have multiple ways to do whatever we're going to do that we pride ourselves on that. Uh, cause we want to be caught with our pants down, like period. And that, that happens in combat or in a real world situation that we see like active shooters, all that stuff. Um, but seeing, I guess, worst case scenario and what could happen in a combat war torn area versus, you know, uh, in Mexico or Nigeria. It's, I mean, it can be kind of the same, but it's also like, okay, I need this or I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to put my guys or my client in, you know, yeah. harm's way. Yeah. So it was very good to see that. Yeah. I mean, to me, it sounds like the, you know, there's a, a realistic expectations piece that, that has to be there that I think a lot of people either lack or, or don't realize that, that, you know, that, that initial assessment is key, you know? Yeah, and, and, I, and you can see it in the executive protection world, uh, not to like rip on people, but you can kind of tell guys that have been there, done that versus the guys that like, Hey, I kind of like this. This yeah. is cool to wear an earpiece, which we don't do. Like we're, we're not like a lot of times you don't even know we're there. Yeah. Um, so so there's that, and the security world kind of has a bad name because of that, because you got you know one or two guys that can just ruin it, just like you know you oh, got yeah. a, a seal that does something retarded. The, yeah. the whole okay, seals must be horrible, right? Or yeah. a teacher, they had yeah. sex with an underage student. Every teacher's bad. Yeah. I mean, there's always that ten percent of badness, and yeah. no matter what um, yeah. environment you're in, yeah, you get the same thing, especially in the in the personal protection dog world. Like there's some fly by night right. shit birds out there that you know have these dogs that have absolutely no business being in. That they all position. get exposed. Yeah. Time. Yeah, but, they all get exposed. Yeah, but um, all right. So that was your first deployment at Team Two. Yep. Uh, how was the second one by comparison? Uh, second deployment. Um, I really wanted to go to Afghanistan, really bad. So I we that's when we brought in. We kind of merged teams, and they kind of broke up because they needed more people overseas because of the you know Afghan Afghanistan and Iraq was going on. So I joined another task unit, and I did two months in Afghanistan. Uh, which was fun, and that's where I got my first, I guess you would say, firefight. I, I mean, if that's what you want to call it, they were shooting at us. I shot back with a 240 from a turret. Uh, <laughs> didn't hit anything, a lot of trees, because yeah. I didn't know where it was coming from. Yeah. Uh, but it was a good puckering feeling that I'll never forget. 
So did that for two months, did, did a couple good ops, good, it was good to see the terrain and kind of the people and the towns and learned a lot and then went back to Iraq, to the green zone um, in Baghdad uh, for more PSD work. Uh, and it was, it was called then the mentorship. We were kind of training other people to kind of take over. Yeah. So we would go do that. We would do a lot of training and, uh, and a lot of weightlifting. So it was good. Yeah. I got they had eat and lift. Good, good gym. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so yeah, you do that, you know, yeah. teach, te- it was kind of more like a fit mission almost yeah. like, Hey, let's teach these guys how to do it. And then of course we had to do some of the stuff Yeah. and we would always try. Um, that's what, that was when I believe that was when Fallujah was really bad. Um, cause we had guys kind of spread out everywhere and then Sadr city. I don't know if you remember that there mm-hmm. was like a three day, yeah. like heyday, like all guns out. We had a couple of our snipers go, um, do that. So there was little things that popped up, like yeah. go do some cool stuff. We did a lot of, did a lot of sniper work, uh, overwatching for guys, planting bombs. Yeah. So we, we, we stayed busy. We try to stay busy. We weren't like, if you weren't training, you know, this other, uh, entity, then you could go out, you know, take over a certain position and just watch. And, you know, if guys were up to, you know, bad bad things you would take them out this is what oh five oh six that would have been oh five oh five yes yeah. i'm curious I, I know you know my my experience platoon to platoon was there wasn't a big change or we didn't have a huge influx was the two platoons that you did at team two was it mostly the same guys in both of them or was there a big uh yeah there's mostly the same guys yeah, yeah. there's a couple that left to go to another platoon or went over to development group or um then you get a couple new guys obviously yeah uh no, it was mostly the same guys. And was um, did you find yourself working with West Coast teams? Like, was there a lot of uh, you know inner inner team work? Uh, I mean, we would do like we would do what we called them our sniper ops. They would they would do like a certain section or a certain area of the city, and we would do other ones. We would do changeovers with them for the PSD work. Yeah, but never really like, hey, you're going to go with guy from Team Three or Team One. I think it was Team One that we were with uh, overseas, but it was none of that. I mean, we, yeah. we would hang out. Uh, see each other at the gym. Yeah, you know, after hours, go hang out. Can I get so, a spot. Like, yeah, yeah, get a spot. Yeah. The gym always comes into it somehow. Yeah. It's like it's literally like it's the fucking, massages. Uh, it's yeah. therapy. <laughs> what are we in Thailand? <laughs> I haven't been. Yeah, no, there's well, probably a reason for that. Yeah, oh shit, you'd probably still be there. You probably would be. Um, so the with the that experience in Iraq. Um, doing Overwatches, things like that. Is there a, a story you you could share? Uh, that was kind of a hairy moment uh, in terms of doing sniper overwatch or, or you know, getting into a gunfight or things of that nature? Uh, you know, we really, like, we didn't have any engagements doing the sniper thing. I, I think the biggest takeaway for that is, because what we would do is we would take over people's houses. Mm. So you'd have to clear the house, and, you know, they would offer you food. And there's plenty of stories where they would drug the food, and, you know, you're, I think it happened to a, a couple of Marine elements, actually, uh, and, you know, they find them and they got, you know, bullets in the back of their head. Jesus. They would just be drugged by the people that they're taking over. So, um, God damn. But, I, but, but I am a fatty and I was guilty of eating <laughs> one time. Like, my, like, hey, I'm going to eat this, but you don't. So just like, <laughs> if I go down, just like protect me. Because, um, I mean, food's amazing. What was the food? You remember? Uh, whatever, whatever they say. It was like the rice with like the raisins and I think it's yeah. grapes and they got the chicken in the middle. There's, there's a name for the dish, but it's like a big bowl. I mean, like it was phenomenal. Grab. It was, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. But no, I, I think just like just taking it over and seeing how they live, how yeah. they act towards us, how, how like there was that reaction. Yeah. Like, I mean, think about this. You're going into someone's house like, hey, you're not going to work today. Yeah. Uh, I need to support my family. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to freaking jack you up. You are not leaving this house. I mean, that's like just learning that piece. Not that we were doing it intentionally to, like, to be a jerk to your family, yeah. but we're trying yeah. to save lives. I mean, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. It could be their lives. It could be, you know, obviously it comes down to uh, allied forces lives. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like World War Two right there. No, I know. Allied for- yeah. American lives, Axis. whatever. Who else we got? <laughs> Axis and allies. All right. So um, you finish up at team two. Uh, now you decide to, to screen and go to development group, uh, AKA team six. Uh, can you walk us through that, uh, that process as much as you can? I know. Yeah, else. that's, that's a weird process right there. So I, I actually screened before that second deployment, uh, or got approval. And when I was, it was when I was in Afghanistan, there was a guy that was from, that was actually on Roberts Ridge with uh, oh, yeah. Roberts. He was one of the snipers. He he was he was on deployment with me in Afghanistan. He's like, "Hey, you going to a green team?" I was like, "Yeah, I hope so. I'm, I'm waiting." So we go to do the mentorship in Iraq together. And about I think it was probably green team was starting the first screening because first day is your screening test. We we're about two weeks leaving. Or excuse me, one week about to leave country, and then green team was about to start three weeks later. Well, I, I, he's, I saw him and he's like, hey, are you going to the green team? I'm like, no, I'm going to the one in six months. He's like, what? So I, I was like, yeah, I guess I got to go to trade do some training for six months and then I'll do the next green team. He's quick, like, and real quick it, for those listening, the green team is the is the selection and, and tryout six month plus process to go to to go to team. It's six. like buds on steroids. Yeah. yeah. So just <laughs> just uh, as a reference. Um, so so he, he comes back a day later. He's like, hey, you're going to the next green team. I was like, what? I was like, dude, I'm not in running shape. I have been jacking steel like no one's business. Like I was probably about 2.30, like, I mean, just like unable to like move. And he goes, I got you in. He's like, I made a call. You're good to go. I was like, I was like, well, I'm like, what do you say? No, I can't do that. I'm like, okay, Roger that. I'm doing it. So when I got home, I just started running. Yeah. I would run. I was running every day. I would just make, because you had to do a three mile and uh, I think it's three, oh no, is it four miles? No, it's three miles. Three miles and 22 minutes, I believe. So, I mean, for a bigger dude, that's, that's pretty fast. Like I, and especially if you're not, you know, used to training like that. So I, I would run like every day, try to cut some weight, uh, did screening screened and then, you know, got, got in green team. And then, um, green team was amazing. I mean, it was a, it was a butt kicker, but like, fortunately for me, having the, the two mentors that I had were like CQB close quarters, battle, clearing rooms, savvy guys. I mean, just teaching me all the tricks like that. I mean, that was my easy spot. Yeah. Like, I, that is where I shined. Do you remember uh, how many how many guys you started with versus how many finished? I do not, but we. I mean, you definitely lose a lot of guys doing yeah. those first those initial weeks on CQB. Yeah. I, so mean, I think I think that's something that that surprises a lot of people. For for those listening, you know, the the green team composition is all seals. You know, and they're all um, seals that have have been seals for you know at least a few years. Some of them longer than others, but you know have a, a deployment or generally multiple deployments under their belt. Screen, pass a screening test, show up to to try out for Team Six, basically, and then even in that class, like it's not uncommon to lose half the fucking class, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, guys that were your mentors are yeah. getting dropped out. You're like, whoa, what's yeah. going on here? It's, yeah, it's pretty uh, surreal. Yeah, you know, so I mean, to, to make it through all of that, um, what was that that experience like uh, once once you made it through? It, it was it was very humbling. I was, I mean, just the just the, um, the you know the cadre, the instructors that were there. I mean, just the way they would teach and the way they move and the way they operate. It was like a different, um, a lot of experience. I mean, just doing house run after house run after house run after, you know, jump after jump after jump or dive after whatever it is. I mean, they were just um, 
because it's all operational. So it's not like, hey, we're going to go get you wet and sandy and beat the crap out of you with push-ups. It's like, hey, we're getting you, we're taking you up to 24,000 feet and we're putting you to and we're doing a real world mission uh, scenario. You're jumping in, you're hitting this op and then you're extracting by helo over here. So it was real world stuff that you were training for. Um, I soaked it in. I loved it. You know, the, uh, it was, it was awesome. It was everything I wanted. It was more than what I wanted. The, the adrenaline rush, the guys, the, um, it, it was, it was a blast. Yeah. Were there any, any injuries, setbacks, failures, anything during? Uh, no, the only thing that, I mean, there was a lot of running. So my knees, uh, being a heavier guy, I mean, obviously it was always a problem. Um, I, I do remember here, this is a crazy story and this is, uh, this, this still blows my mind. We were doing, uh, we were out in, out in Arizona, outside of Tucson, doing our, our jump trips, and you have to do certain jumps, and you have to hit on the at the X, and you know, with a, you know, within a certain amount of feet, just to like say, okay, yeah, he can land and opens properly. I came down with strep throat, like on one of the on the final one of the final jumps, and I was like, hey, I need, I'm like better. I, I think I was a 102, 103. I mean, hallucinating pretty much. And one of the instructors come in, and I'll never forget this. He's like, we need you to do this jump. I was like, I am freaking about to die. Like, I mean, you've had strep throat. Like, yeah. it sucks. Like, yeah. you, you're out. I was like, okay. Like, I mean, it's like, you do it or you don't do it. It's like, there's like, okay, do you want to get rolled to the next class? And yeah. you just did all this, and you have to redo it. Like, that's more stuff on your body, and something you can yeah. get injured on the next class. So I rolled out of bed. I went to my buddies. I'm like, hey, man, um, I need you to dress me. <laughs> I got dressed, got my shoot on. And I, I remember feeling like I don't care if I die. I just, yeah. I, I was, I was, I was so sick. Some dangerous complacency. Went, went, yeah. Went in there, did the jump, passed it, dropped off my stuff, went right back to my bed. Like literally yeah. dropped my shoot, did not pack it because I knew I was sick. Yeah. Went right back. They're like, all right, we'll see you tomorrow morning. And thank God I just got pumped full of drugs, IVs, and I was good to go. The ne- I mean, somewhat good to go the next yeah. day. But Were there any, did you hallucinate at all on the jump? Like were you seeing mermaids? Uh, Flying around. Uh, no, 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 not not that fortunate. Not hell, not I just remember, style. like, I don't care. I was yeah. just remember, like, I just want to fall out of this plane yeah. and get this over with. Fuck. Um, but that was probably the most memorable moment of like, like, I was kind of like, crap. I hope this yeah. this goes well. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm always curious to get guys uh, with that experience take. Uh, so you you finished green team. You've done multiple deployments in the regular SEAL teams. Now you're jumping into fucking the illustrious SEAL Team Six. Like, what is that check in like? And, and the getting the gear and the fucking the budget Ooh, and the training. Like, man, can um, you walk us through that as best you can. It was. They do a, a thing where you know you kind of like initiation where you kind of like got to give a little quote and kind of like just you know tell by yourself and they kind of make fun of you a little they bit. Tell you, shut the fuck up. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My name is Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, if it gets old. Yeah. Uh, and you get your patches and I remember just grabbing those patches and just be like, man, like this is, this means a lot to me. Um, it, it was, it was awesome. It was very humbling. Uh, but at the same time, your head kind of swells a little bit. You're like, yeah. Oh dude, I'm like, you know, cause they're like, Oh, you're the best of the best. You're the tip of the spear. But I mean, it really, you have a lot of assets you got a lot of funding and that kind of what gives you that extra edge. Not to say that the guys aren't well-trained at all, but, uh, but it, 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 yeah, it, it kind of goes to your head a little bit. I mean, you, you know, doing the deployments, which I'm sure we're going to get into and you, you, you realize what you're doing. You're doing, you know, when I was a kid watching Rambo and freaking commando with Arnold, like yeah. you're doing that stuff. Like it was yeah. like, crap, I'm here. Yeah. Like I'm finally, this is here. what I actually signed up. This for. This is what I signed up for. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. It, it was the most prideful feel. And then you're doing a 
for the greatest country in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, this country's amazing. Like you, you're doing it for that. That's really what it comes down to is you're doing it for this country. And that's, that's everything. Yeah. Was, was there anything upon initial check-in that surprised you about, uh, about the unit that you either weren't expecting or thought would be totally different? Um, no, I mean, guys were pretty cool. Like they weren't jerks. Um, I was, I was surprised by, I guess the stuff that was going on. Um, and like what a full mission profile looked like to really like, you know, cause you know, you're in the, like a SEAL team too. Like, yeah, we're going to go do a, a sniper overwatch or a PSD, or we're going to go kick in the thing. It's totally different when you're going out for some really bad guys. Yeah. When you have guys that you know are armed and there's, you know, a dozen plus, um, it, lo- it looks a little different. You're like, yeah. crap. Okay. These guys are responsible for this yeah. and we're going to go get them. Yeah. So does, is there an element to, cause I know like the stuff that we did, you know, and, and granted my, my experiences, everybody's experiences are different, but of course, you know, putting, putting the face to the name kind of thing that it almost, would you say it personalizes it? You know, like, you know, like this is the motherfucker, this is what mm-hmm. they've done. Like, I can only imagine that there's an element of of motivation that that's even higher, knowing like this is the motherfucker that's responsible for, for X. this. Yeah, when you know they're responsible for American deaths, it, it it's like okay, dude, it's yeah. being brought like it's uh, yeah. it's on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you went to gold. Um, you did five five combat deployments. Mm-hmm. I mean, for for the listener, for me, I mean, for most people, that's. You know, I think anybody listening, I mean, that's that's hard to wrap your mind around. I mean, can you can you walk us through? I mean, especially the first deployment, I guess I'm, I'm curious to see the contrast or hear about the contrast between, you know, two deployments as a we'll call it vanilla seal or a regular team guy versus uh, now the, the the Jedi fucking team six. Yeah, we wish we were Jedi. Yeah. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah. Woohoo! Often thinks about the old boring Sarah. Yes. And wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over 100 casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, yeah, I, I, I tell you what, man, my first deployment, um, and again, my deployments were different times. Some were, some were four months, some were three, one was two. And I think one was only like a month, month and a half, I believe. Um, so it varied, but I remember my first deployment and I was just eyes open and listen and just watch how these guys move, watch how they operate. And I was a breacher. I was the team breacher. So I was just in charge of breaching, uh, which is like my, I mean, I, I love it. 
and and you're doing breaches every night i mean dual breaches i mean blowing down big doors big gates and you're you're engaging the enemy and you're I mean, it's on. It was it was a totally different target set. It's not like, hey, we need to go detain this guy, and there's like no weapons. No, there's dudes with machine gun positions. They're throwing grenades at you. They've got booby traps, early warning systems. Um, it was the real deal. I mean, there's sentries sitting out there where you know where your snipers are taking them out quietly. I mean, it, it was it was eye opening. I was like, holy shit! Like you don't even you know you get back at night, you're like. Wow, that did just happen. It did just happen. Like, so that is the smell of death. (laughs) uh, So it became very real, very, very real, very, very fast. And I just tried to consume and watch the guys that have been there done that. I mean, because there's guys, I mean, really, honestly, over there, six or seven deployments, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a number. There's guys over there with 12, 13, 14, 15 deployments. I mean, those guys, I mean, like three, four purple hearts. Yeah. Uh, And those are the dudes that you look to, like, and they're just, they're just cool on target gunfire and they are just cool. Yeah. And, and I wasn't at the, you know, first, uh, I was like, crap, like do this side, like we are getting shot at. But then as like your experience kicks in, it's like, um, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. You gotta dodge the bullet. <laughs> this isn't wanted with Angelina Jolie where yeah, you're going to like yeah. duck and Fucking dodge it. <laughs> or Neo in the matrix. Right. Exactly. That's a better example. Yeah. But yeah, no, you just, uh, you just kind of like get opened up to it. So like conflict wasn't, um, you know, you kind of get amped up if a fight breaks out. Yeah, that would just that, that would kind of like you would lose it. You're just yeah. more calm. Like this is my job. This is yeah. what I'm here for. Yeah. So it would definitely um, get tamed. Yeah. No, that's that's a. Uh, it's hard to I think for a lot of people to imagine the uh, the amount of uh, desensitizing that it would take to you know to get to that level. But yeah, and there, um, there's a price tag that comes with that that you learn once you get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because yeah, I mean you're. It essentially it, it it deadens your emotional bandwidth it, it in, in all ways, you know. It and and does. It's, that's certainly a, that's been a, an issue I've had in my personal life of, of yes, mine as well of uh, you know not having enough fucks to give and, mm-hmm. and you know to me there's there's a certain element of benefit of you know I don't ever really get depressed mm-hmm. I don't ever really get excited either you know right. like it's just I'm I'm almost too too even keeled as, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, like big emotion stuff. I may lose my temper over something stupid right, or whatever, right. but, but like big ticket items, it's just like, yeah, well, fuck whatever, you mm-hmm. know, like, and, and there's an element that's, that's kind of relieving, but there's a, an element that's, that's, I think borders on toxic for, for personal relationships. Oh, and absolutely. I, yeah. I've, you know, yeah, I think I should write a book on toxic relationship. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I, to me that one of the, one of the issues I see with, you know, our, our government and our society having an expectation for guys like us to go do those types of things and not just do them, but be fucking successful, right. uh, you know, almost to, to any means, but then have the expectation to come back and, and deal with a Gillette to- toxic masculinity campaign of shave your beard. Cause you're, <laughs> you're too toxically, you know, masculine. Like, yep. Jesus fucking Christ. I know. What you do you know? expect? Yeah. Um, you know, so but, you know, I'm curious, like, so as, you know, you did your first deployment and, and as you got more and more seasoned, um, you know, what, what type of mental toll and, uh, you know, emotional strain did that put on you both professionally and personally? And, and did you recognize it? Um, to answer the end of that, no, I didn't recognize anything. I thought, I mean, we kind of you just, you know, I was very successful in this in my SEAL career. I, I, I was very good at my job. Uh, and I say that very humbly. I just was well trained by people above me, and just by listening and learning from my from my counterparts. 
Uh, but but I didn't realize but my my home life was falling apart. Like mm-hmm. not there for my kids. I mean, I'd be there. There's a there's a scene in American Sniper where he comes back and he's looking at the blank TV. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He's yeah. just staring at the TV. The TV's not on. I think he's holding a beer. And he's just spaced out. Yeah. And I saw that and I like, I kind of like got it like choked up, started weeping. I'm like, dude. And of course I saw this after like my deployments and stuff. I was like, man, that, that was me. Like I was, I was come back and I, w- I would come back and I'm like, I'm not even there. I'm like, I'm physically there, but I wasn't there for my children. Um, got a divorce from it. Um, and, and, and you don't realize you're like, no, this, like, this is important. This is for the country. And you're, and you're believing this. Yeah. And, and, and it's an, it is an important job, especially at that time when Iraq and Afghanistan were both kicking off. I mean, there's, and you got terrorist attack here on our, you know, on our homeland. Uh, but I didn't, but I didn't realize that was happening. Um, at all, yeah. at all. So I think I don't know if I just took a tangent on that or. But well, I mean, I, I I steered that fucking ship, but uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. But I mean, to me, it, it's an important element that that I know we'll we'll revisit a couple of times throughout the rest of the the talk. But but okay, so back. Okay, I, I got the original question. So so deployment wise, dude, I was it was awesome. You would get calloused um, as the shootings became more frequent and the killings became more frequent. And then you're like, well, I kind of want to try this gun. And you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I've never done a silencer before. Uh, I mean, all legal, I'll be, it's nothing, nothing weird, but um, yeah, you kind of just go to that spot and like, yeah, like, yeah, I want to see if I can get, you know, if, what, what, what can I get tonight? You're, yeah. It's almost like a drug. I mean, just the feeling of taking out a bag. I don't know if this is a bad thing. I just remember the feeling that came with, Killing a bad guy, knowing that they're responsible for this and they're trying to kill you, was the greatest feeling I've ever experienced in my life. I don't know if that makes me crazy, but I mean, just taking that off the face of this earth because that is pure evil over there. It was a most amazing thing, and I was like, okay, and like, like you get addicted to it. I can get addicted to it, and and I had one. I had a guy that had he was reaching for a gun, and I and I could have probably stopped myself, but I shot him and killed him. And I, and I felt bad for it. I, felt, it was, I think it was my first or second deployment. I think it was my second deployment. I felt really bad for it. It's just like kind of, and I usually don't feel bad. I'm like, second Here. deployment with gold. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, felt, I felt bad about it. And I, I asked the intel guy, because we took some stuff. I was like, hey, if you find anything that this guy's like super bad, can you please tell me? Because I, I felt, I don't, I don't know why, I just did. And he, he came and got me later that night. He's like, come here. So he showed me and he, and he, he put in this disc and he played it. And the guy that I shot, had KBR, you know, Kendall Brown Root. They do all the like, you know, transportation, run the the cafeterias over there and all that stuff. He had these Filipino ones standing on the side of the road, kind of staked out, and they were doing ballistic tests on their bodies, stabbing them, shooting them in different parts, and just watching it, joking around. Uh, and it was that guy that I shot. And I remember when something happened that when I saw that. I was like, never again will I feel for these freaking pieces of shit, like ever. Yeah. Like it was over. Like it would, it just took me to another place, and I'm like, all right, how many can I get? Like I'm, I'm out for you. Yeah. It just like you could do that to another human being, a, a truck driver that has a family, over you know where, wherever they're from. So, so that I'm, I'm <clears throat> clear or aware of what you're talking about, um, and the listener for that matter. Like you're talking living workers that were working for basically the U S government they pretty much kidnapped them and pat them on the side of the road as like, they were driving their like, trucks, like tied to like a tie, tied them down, like tied them up. Like they're kind of like a scarecrow. Yeah. And they were just doing like testing, like, all right, let's shoot them in the leg while they're alive, while they're alive. And you can just see them screaming and they're crying. And it, it, it just, 
I still can picture that. Jesus fuck, man. So so when that happened, you can just like in my brain, I was like, okay, yeah, it's, it's fucking it's, on. It's fucking on. It was on before, but it's like really on now. Yeah. Like I don't care anymore. Yeah. Like I am I am I am your beast. Yeah. I'm coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> that was your second deployment, right? So you, uh I believe it was. Yeah. I think it was my second one. I just remember like it was I just that always sticks out to me because I'm like, what 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 happened? Like the, I just remember I felt so bad. I mean, the guy was reaching for a weapon, but I think I could have, I could have done other means possibly. But, but, but then again, you know, I could have killed a buddy. Right. Uh, so it's it just, just that one, you know, kind of struck me weird. And then he showed me that. I was like, never again. Do you think that there was an element of maybe uh, his body language or, or something that he was doing almost subconsciously that made you think that he was not necessarily not a bad person, but was, um, you know, weak or not, not even a formidable enemy. I, mean, I don't know if, I'm, I think maybe it was just like, a, it was a quiet target. There really wasn't much. Usually there's a lot of going on. There really wasn't much besides this dude. I think there was one other situation outside. Uh, I, I don't know. It just struck me as weird. It was very odd and eerie for me. But then when I saw that, I was like, I can, and that was like the first time I knew what they were capable of, but to see it yeah. and to see the guy that you just shot doing that. It was a good feeling knowing that that guy was gone. Yeah, yeah, no shit. So with your second deployment, and, and really on all of them, um, I'm curious in terms of the op tempo, uh, operational Oof. tempo, the, the Oof. pace Oof. with which, for those of you listening, the, 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 it's a term we use a lot, and it, and it gets used a lot because that, that tends to be one of our Achilles heels is that we all love to work. We like to stay busy when we're overseas, but that op tempo is, is a double-edged sword because it, it's what – either get you complacent or tired to the point where you're not thinking clearly or uh, exposing yourself in the same areas too many times in a row. I mean, there's a multitude of, of negatives to it. Uh, obviously the benefits are that, you know, you're, you're doing more and more work and making a bigger and bigger difference. But I'm curious from deployment to deployment, what was the, was the op tempo for you the same? Was it just balls to the wall every fucking time? Was there any variance? It felt like balls to the wall the whole time. I mean, going out every night. Uh, I wouldn't say every night. Sometimes, you know, there'd be, you know, seven to 15 days straight. And then there might be every other night. And then there might be the occasional, all right, we have two nights off. Yeah. Uh, I think there might've been once where we had like three nights off, but I mean, you're putting all that gear on You're you know, you're walking X amount of miles, X amount of hours, um, up a mountain. And then, you know, and then you got the adrenaline dump of, you know, getting in a firefight. Um, it takes a toll. Like yeah. it, it takes, you don't realize it until you kind of come home and you step on the American soil, and you're, well, you, you know the feeling. It's yeah. like, oh, I can breathe. Finally, I can breathe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it, what I would consider balls to the wall. And then the guys that were more experienced uh, and, and guys that I still talk to today that are still carrying out the, you know, still fighting the war. Uh, we were we were like, it was very balls to the wall, yeah. we, we would call it, yeah. yeah. Did you uh, do a mix of Afghan and Iraqi deployments? Yes, uh, and Africa. Uh, one Africa, and then I did, I think it was three three or four Iraq, and the rest were Afghanistan. More Iraq than Afghanistan. Yeah. Was there any uh, any missions that you can share that, uh, that kind of stand out as being either exceptionally uh, important or went horribly fucking wrong? Or, I mean, were there ones where you lost any of your teammates? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of those. That was, that was definitely one... Um, uh, Mike and Nate, when they, yeah. that was my first time losing, uh, friends. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the op was crazy. We had three targets. Uh, we went to one and we were, we were about to go in and I, I, I'm looking at night vision. I was looking through, I had a good vantage point through the door 
And I, and there's kids running around, there's women, and I'm like, okay, this will be good. I mean, there's kids and women, right? They're not going to do anything. And then this guy just clacks himself off, clacks himself off. The roof lifts off of the structure and kind of settles back down. We all got we all got nailed with rocks and debris and shrapnel uh, from the from the blast. And so the other two targets sent guys to us because obviously we were like dealing with some stuff. So we had women and children all jacked up running around and trying to take care of that. And there was a kind of like a, an adjacent structure that we also had to take care of. So they would sit more down. Nothing really happened. And then we hear gunshots at the other two places and we go back up there and we realize that uh, two of our two of our buddies got shot, um, went into a room and there was um, a machine gun position and just took them out, took them both out. Um, so that was that was a crazy op. Just looking down, seeing your buddy with his head, you know, um, trying to keep this G just because like family members and stuff, just seeing your buddy down there in yeah. the condition that he was. I mean, you're you're welcome to say whatever the fuck you want. On yeah, here, just but. like seeing his head open, I mean, it's just like it's a it's a thing you don't um, you don't forget, and just seeing that and be like, crap, this can happen to us too. Yeah. And then just you know, and then um, it, it was it was very real. And then we had, I think we took away two detainees from that target, and I did not want to take them away. I wanted to. Yeah. I was so fucking pissed. I wanted to mutilate them. I wanted to like just do some medieval stuff to them. Uh, obviously, we can't because we have all these rules um, <laughs> that we that we find ourselves in. Uh, so we took them back. But I just remember being just like just looking them on the plane. Like I will. I just want to just knife you. Just yeah. want to take you out. Yeah. You don't deserve to be here. You piece of shit. Yeah. Was that uh, was was there a dog that got injured on that op also? That was the D- that was a week later with Louis. Okay, and that was that 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 is my nightmare op. Yeah, can you can you walk us through that? We're gonna have his handler on soon, but uh, but I'd love to hear the the shooter's perspective. Uh, so, so oh Benny's coming on. Yeah. Oh good. Yeah. Uh, so he uh, breacher just my dog went down there to yeah. his training. He yeah. just got trained by him. He's a good dude. Uh, so we went down to uh, it was a week later after Mike and Nate died. Uh, and and then when you when you when you see your buddies die, uh, ops change. You're a little. You seem to be a little more cautious before you go into this door. You seem to be like you kind of watch your step a little bit more. And then a week later, we we were around this this comp uh, this uh, this building, and um, actually Delta sent two of their guys up to kind of backfill us because we lost those guys. Just kind of see what's going on. And I was team leader that night because my team leader was sick, so I was acting team leader. And I told Louie, I actually radiated him. I'm like, hey, Louie, uh, go, go, because they were starting to get people out. And there was a lot of kids. I was like, hey, go help them, you know, you know, get these kids into one spot. So he's like, Roger that, goes up to the door. And I'm like, all right, they need help. So I went up with Louie, and I was, and I put my hand on Louie's right shoulder. And I just got this weird sense, and this is one of these things I can't, I can't, I can't explain it now. Definitely, God, like a hundred percent. Is I put my hand on his shoulder, and I was like, "Hey, dude, it's getting kind of crowded. I'm freaking. I'm gonna head back on the other side of the wall." He's like, "All right, dude, I got it." I was like, "I love you." And he goes, I "Love you too." And I, I, I walked around, and soon as my, I was just about through the gate on the back side of the wall, the house explodes. And Louis was on this pillar. He was standing by this big pillar in this huge overhang. And this overhang kind of slid, I mean, probably, I mean, at least a ton of concrete slid down on him and uh, just crushed him. Uh, I mean, just destroyed him. Just, I mean, he was, he was done. And it took out, we had to medevac, um, I think, six guys, six or seven guys from that. 
I mean, guys were just just crumble, crumbled. I mean, just done. And then Digo was the dog. Yeah. Because I remember running out like, "What's going on?" Because you're waiting for the like the smoke to clear. And Digo was actually biting my foot. <laughs> so I'm like, Samuel, what the heck is that? I'm yeah. like, and Digo, I like look down, I just see Digo's head. Like he's covered in rubble. Yeah. And just his head, I'm like, oh man. So I like, I don't have time to mess around with the dog. I ripped my freaking foot out. I think it took some teeth out, but um, we had our guys down there. So I went down to where I thought Louie was and found him. And I remember reaching in there, grabbing his leg and it felt like jelly. Fuck. It was like there is no bone structure, and it's just like there was no, um, there was nothing left, and it was just. And I guess I had that was kind of like a survivor's guilt because I'm I'm the one that told him to go up there, and and that's been unsettling ever. I mean, it still is. Um, it flares up at times. Like you know, I, you know, it, you know. I think it was uh, it's February fourth, I believe. When yeah, when that comes up, man, it's just like I, I think about that night and and Benny, I and mean, he had two compound femur fractures. Yeah carrying him out and the i mean just the screaming that was going on i mean god like that that is probably i don't think there's any other injury that could top that um just it was just mass chaos and that was the first time i was like we just got our asses handed to us yeah and there was buildings all over us i'm just waiting to get hit by other people uh random shots were going on it was just a very bad bad feeling i mean we had six guys down houses blew up your buddy that you just told he's dead uh, zero life. I mean, just it's um, it was fucking chaos, man. That was yeah. the that was chaos. Yeah, that that sucked. So, I mean, six guys down pretty hard, right? Yeah, I mean, some of them were. I mean, were you know limping around. I mean, they're pretty tore up, bleeding everywhere. I mean, it was like what you would see like in uh, you know war movie, like Saving Private Ryan. Your guys are like totally jacked up. I mean, yeah. but mostly like fractures, uh, just jacked up from debris. Uh, yeah. Not really gunshots, but obviously, I mean, explosion. I mean, that's. It can be detrimental. Uh, in terms of the, you know, bringing, so you get all your guys back. Like, how did that impact you guys operationally moving forward for the rest of that deployment? That's got to be. Yeah, we we brought in some guys from another country uh, that were in our team. Brought them in. Then we then some guys that were um, back at the command came out and yeah. and backfilled us. So we had to like kind of do that. But dude, losing two guys, then a week later you lose another guy. And your handler and dog. And then you're, you're like, shit. I mean, it's like, dude, it's just like, okay, like what's going on? Because we're so used to having the upper hand. And it was the first time in my career. I'm like, we don't have, we, I didn't feel like we had the upper hand. And the cell we were on was actually, uh, Saddam's main dudes, like SF guys. Uh, I mean, they, they all got theirs. Trust me. (laughs) Um, but, um, that was, that was the most memorable op just be, I mean, it was just, I've never been in chaos. That would, that would be my description of chaos was that night. Do you think that there's any element of insider bullshit that led to you guys getting rolled up that way? Or was it just, you know, your number gets called sometimes? Well, or? it's just like, I mean, it's simple. You, you're stacking on a house and you're about to go in and someone sets off a, a house born IED. I mean, they're ready for it. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're ready for it. They're, they're like, they made up in their mind. Like if this happens, yeah. we're all going to go to this God we call Allah. Yeah. Right. That's what they're going. That's what they're thinking, and so that's what they did. And they took out everybody inside. Did they have um, any any uh, other or exterior positions opening up on you guys? Or it was just like uh, there a, was random shots, but I think it was just like pop shots. It was nothing, nothing yeah. else. I think everything was it contained in the building. So, so it wasn't so much coordinated multiple moving parts. No, like. no. I mean, but but when you're in when you're in it, 
Oh yeah. You're like, fuck, we're going down. Like, yeah. this, this is happening. Like, yeah. We're we're going down. Yeah. Yeah. God it it was a it was definitely a a puckering feeling. Yeah. Definitely not a good one. Moving on from that mission and and staying on that deployment, what were what was the rest of that deployment like in terms of op tempo work? I mean, obviously you, you continued the mission with new guys and whatever, but uh, mm-hmm. how, how was that dealing with that type of loss that close, that in your face, still having to go out there uh, night after night? Um, it was very stressful. I remember everyone handled it a little bit differently. Some guys would go sleep it away. Um, I would sleep for like an hour or two. I'd be up. I'd be asleep for an hour or two. I'd be up and just kind of suppress the pain with uh, anything I could (laughs) (laughs) without getting into things. Chemical or otherwise. Yeah, anything that I probably shouldn't be doing. Um, And just, it it, it changed it. And, and, you know, know, when the first two guys passed away, um, you know, I, I was saying earlier that you just, you're kind of more cautious. But then when it happens again a week later, you're more cautious, but then you got to like, okay, wait a second. Like if you're too cautious, you still can't lose that aggressiveness. Yeah. You still got to be deliberate with your actions. You still have to go get it. And after a couple, really after a couple ops, you're like, all right, we're still owning this. And we kind of like, I guess it kind of comes back to that mindset thing. Like we're still, we're still going to do our job yeah. and we're still going to take it to them. We might be down, but we're definitely not out. And yeah. we, we had a, it was a great deployment. We did a lot of good things. We cleaned up the areas that we went into. Um, I mean, we, we lost those three amazing heroes, legends, whatever. I mean, they were just amazing men. But other than that, no, we just, we, we, we carried on because yeah. that's, what else are you going to do? Yeah. That's how we suppress our, I mean, we had to suppress our feelings. Yeah. Couldn't think about it. And, and I'm curious, you know, when you lose guys like that, um, obviously you're still on deployment. The funerals are taking place. You don't even get to fucking go to them. I know for me that that was always a, a really hard thing for me to, to manage and juggle mm-hmm. was was when that happened. What uh, did you guys do anything when you came back from that deployment to, to honor those guys? Yeah, we did. Uh, we had we did a service overseas, obviously, and we put up their their weapons and their helmets and uh, like around our flag and with their pictures. And before every night, all the guys would go. I mean, it was their helmets they were wearing. So, I mean, there was bullet holes. There was blood soaked, still dripping down the rifle. And we wanted it that way. Yeah. Um, we didn't want to clean it up. And we would touch their helmets every night before we go out. I mean, it's just kind of like, uh, hey, this is for you. This is for you. I mean, it's, yeah. I guess it, in a way it was kind of like, hey, this is what we can do for you. Like an honor you were still taking the fight because they believed in the same thing. Yeah. Get rid of evil. And that's yeah. what exactly what we were going to get. Yeah. When we get back, when we got back, we did do something. I can't remember exactly. One thing I know for Louie, um, he was a really good friend of mine. We did a dive trip uh, down to Miami. We actually have a reunion one here in a couple of weeks. Going back down there to Fort Lauderdale to do a dive trip with his family, nice. um, with Jamie, um, uh, his widow. And so, I mean, so we're going to do that. We do that every year. I haven't done the last couple of years, but did that, go diving, because he had a free diving place. He was a big free diver. And he would, uh, there's a spot that he would always go to, and that's where we go diving. Nice. So it's just kind of a thing that we yeah. do. So there's all, there's little traditions that we try to do yeah. to, to remember them. You know, we always say never forgot, you know, never forget, never forget. Um, and we don't, we don't, we don't forget them. I mean, yeah. and, and you know that yeah. just as well as anyone else. But uh, yeah. you still got to carry on the tradition because those guys left an impact in my life um, that I'll carry on to my children, that hopefully they will carry on to theirs. Yeah. So, I mean, it just goes down. Yeah. Is there any, any traditions in terms of taking any of those guys' ashes to any special places or anything? Um, I know that's that's more of extortion. Um, I can't, I don't know, I can't remember, like, dude, my, my memory's a fog with that. Yeah. There's been so many darn deaths and yeah. funerals, um, especially with extortion. Yeah. 
Um, I don't. Each one had their own thing. Each family had a plan for you know whatever you know whatever yeah. they wanted. So I mean, some were buried uh, in Arlington. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I don't know yeah. the answer to that. Yeah. Uh, one thing before we get into the next deployments and, and subsequent uh, issues, specifically extortion. Um, you mentioned uh, some of the CAG guys, Delta guys coming in. Um, what was that like working with them? Because I know like one of my best friends growing up. Um, and I'm going to get off on a tangent here for just a second. But Do one, it. One of, my best, <laughs> my, one of my best friends growing up, he was a ranger for a number of years. Uh, and then he screened and went to went to Delta and was on his first deployment to uh, to Iraq uh, with one of their squadrons. And um, there's actually FLIR video footage of him. They're getting they're doing a, a high value target assault and they're they're in little birds getting ready to land on a on a rooftop in Baghdad. And there's like a mattress pad or something on the on the rooftop. And uh, as they're flaring, like he had unclipped from the deck. Uh, two feet off the fucking rooftop and, and that mattress pad flew up into the rotor and it spun. He flew out, the tail rotor swung around and hit him <sighs> and took his right leg off uh, and, and broke the whole rest of the side of his body and threw yeah. him into one of those fucking lips. Uh, you know, and t- and, I mean, he lived, but I mean, it fucked him up. Of course. I mean, he got medically retired afterwards and, uh, you know, has half his body's metal. He had a really bad brain injury for a number of years, but my my point in bringing that up is that I remember when he went from being a ranger to being a Delta guy, that same, I, I think it got to his head. I'm not talking shit, brother. You know, I love you, but, uh, <laughs> He's but, talking he did, shit. He, but he did, I am talking shit. <laughs> like he, he got a little big for his britches. Like there's definitely a paradigm shift in how he talked to me, how, you know, and, and whatever. And so I'm curious because you guys are both at that tier one status and obviously it's, it's like army Navy game of almost. Course, yeah. You know, what, how was it working with them? Is it like all bullshit aside? Hey, we're brothers and we're we're doing the deal. Or I mean, there there's still that like, hey, we're better than you. We're better than you. I mean, yeah. we all know that we were better than them. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, they're great guys, man. I I never had a problem with them. I learned a lot from them. They there's definitely a different um, training and mindset because Delta, you can come from any yeah. any like field, yeah, National Guard cook, right? You can do anything. Um, and then where the seals, like we're kind of groomed the same. Which is could be good and could be bad, but we're all like we know what we we've been through yeah. together. We've been through shit together. I know you've done this many deployments together. Uh, we've had the same training, uh, where those guys might have done like five years, like you just had a cook, or five years to one engineering stuff, and then okay, now you're you pass the screening. Now you're going to be uh, tier one. But my experience with them, I thought they were awesome yeah. when they came up to backfill us when we lost our first two guys. They were awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was actually the command master chief and the CEO, I believe. They were freaking awesome. They told us about new gear. We told them about ours. I mean, it was it was it was awesome. I love them. Are are, are there instances where those guys are jumping right into your fucking units and kicking doors in? Or um, the first couple, like we'll kind of like like they'll kind of hang back, see how we're kind of flowing. But then before you know it, they're right there in the train. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool. I mean CQB CQB. Yeah, well, that's good so, shit. Yeah. All right. So obviously, you're you're continuing to to do deployments even after these uh, these issues come up with losing guys before we get into extortion 17 between then and extortion 17 and kind of as you finish your time at, at damn neck, what were those deployments like? Was there anything that stuck out as being uh, you know, big missions that, uh, that really defined who you, who you are both professionally, personally, mentally, et cetera. Um, I remember I, I give this example. I do speeches once in a while and I always go back to this one op that I did. And it was just kind of to show like, I, as you say, I've, I've said the word mindset. I don't know how many times I'm a big believer in it. Um, you, you can kind of make your mind like, hey, we can sit here and cry about it mm-hmm. or we can make this situation better. Yeah. So I'm, I t- tend to go with the latter and try to make things better. Uh, 
most of us are exactly that same way. It was actually a couple weeks after uh, Louis passed away. We did an op, and uh, I wasn't. My team wasn't primary assault team, so we were kind of like holding the backside of the the structure security. And they couldn't get in. There was machine guns. They were throwing grenades. All the gates were locked. Everything. And we talked about started going through walls. So my team was like, "Hey Eddie, like go do this." I was like, "Roger that." Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast. With first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. And I just started blowing holes in these walls and ended up taking out every dude. (laughs) It was fucking awesome. So... (laughs) It was me and uh, Dom Rosso, you yeah. know him. Oh, yeah. Him and I were just running up to the back of these things, sewing these charges on there, uh, taking them down, and then we would go clear. And there, these guys would be so dazed, and um, and we would just they would be so dazed from the explosion. Once the dust was settled, you just kind of see them on the end, you just finish them off. Yeah, you know, he's got a big machine gun in their lap, and then once that's settled, this is this is this is probably the funniest thing that ever happened to me on Target. I walked into where the main room where these guys were, where they had like two machine guns. There was a guy up top in like a little machine gun nest and they had like a big stack of grenades. And I walked in, I was like, huh, they got carpet in here. They, this is the <laughs> first time I have been into I'm one. taking my boots off. And I'm like, they have got carpet in here. And I'm like, that is so weird. I'm like, this is like the softest carpet I've ever been on. So like once we start clearing, I like turn on my flashlight, I look down and there's just this eyeball kind of looking at me. It wasn't carpet at all. My charge. This guy must have had his back up against the wall, totally flattened him. No shit. So it was like my first breaching kill. It was awesome. <laughs> like I was like patting myself on the back. I'm like, this is the greatest night ever. But there's this dude just kind of flattened out from my explosive charge. Holy and fuck. I was like, this is this is kind of funny. Fucking this is kind of funny. Carpet. This is kind of funny. <laughs> God so, I mean, there's a couple more crazy stories, but uh, that that op was big. And the reason why I bring that up is just I realized with like the training of like that we got, you know, through the pipeline of exactly what we can do as a team. Like, you know, we're, you know, and we're just blowing holes in the wall and, you know, we're taking the, where it seemed like we're not getting into this castle. Like yeah. they're not letting us in. And yeah. then we just kind of improvise, make your way in, use our brains and sort of like going. And now it's like, now it's, you know, we use the method a lot. So yeah. Like, it was cool. It's like the ultimate uh, flashbang. It, it was my like personal, like kind of like, oh, that made me feel really good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> was it, was there any other instances like that, that, uh, that stick out as being, uh, exceptional or uh, or really burn your mind? Yeah, there was. Um, I had one. There was an obvious. It was with Dom Rasso again. I, uh, him and I were like we were all we were in the same team, so we we did a lot of our. We, we were in gold pretty much the whole time together. We were again backside security, and we just hear all this gunfire. We're like at that point, we're like crap, man, we're missing out on all the fun. This sucks. So we go out on the backside of this building, and there's a bunch of windows, and we're just kind of looking. 
Like, is there anybody to shoot? Is there anybody to shoot? And then Dom comes, I think, to the second window, and there's a dude there with an AK. He takes him out, and I'm like, and of course, I'm like pissed at this point. I'm like, I want to shoot somebody. I want, I want to be a part of the fun. It's like I have Tom's disease, terrified of missing shit, right? <laughs> like, I want to be a part of the party. Like, um, that's why I'm out until like two o'clock in the morning when I was in the teams all the time. I don't want to miss any fun. Yeah. Uh, then I get to the next window, and then there's another dude. There's like, they were like, they had all these rooms occupied. Took that guy out, and like then, fucking whack them um, all. And then we just like started taking. We ended, Dom and I, you know, take like three or four guys out on this like line of uh, houses or on this line of rooms. But when we go in, this is the funniest thing. Dom's on the ground with the flashlight looking. I'm like, what are you looking for? He's like, this guy's missing his eyeballs. So like, if you look at this guy, like he doesn't have any like, Tra- trauma or no, 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 there you go. No trauma whatsoever. His eyes are literally gone. It's like black hollow holes. I was like, well, what are you looking for? And he goes, his eyeballs. <laughs> and I go, Dom, bro, do you think they're just like little marbles like yeah. rolling around on the ground? And he goes, you're right. I'm an idiot. Like, so like that was probably another op that was just like kind of funny, like just um, a ha ha moment. Like, yeah. dude, he's like, I'm an idiot. What am I, what am I doing right now? So well, that's, that's definitely a good one. We'll have to get Dom on here and uh, get his. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's definitely we got a couple of those stories yeah. of just being complete idiots. No, that's fucking. I mean, that's about the only way you can even try to keep your sanity. It, it's a, exactly it, right. You just got to try to have fun and make yeah. best of your situation. Yeah, uh, being you know with my uh, relationship to dogs and what I do for a living, is there a a dog story you can share that that either you know was a capability that uh, that they did that you're just like holy fuck I'm glad we had the dogs I'd, I'd love to give our Absolutely. viewers some dog stories. Absolutely, we had. Um, we had a we had another target, of course, and we had a couple guys run out with their. I think they had a couple RPGs, and we had the dap birds, the gunships, pretty much to come and just drop all this ordnance. I mean, missile after missile after bomb after bomb after gun run after gun run, and these dudes were still alive. We could still pick them up that they were still alive, and we were we tried every option, and we're like, all right, let's send the dog. <laughs> So we sent, it was actually, D, it was Digo, I believe, still yeah. Digo. Yeah. Um, sent the dog, and the dog found him and ripped his throat out. Yeah. And took him out. So we just wasted like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars on ordinance where really we just need to send the yeah. dog. Yeah. And he took that guy, he was the guy was hiding in the reeds and like, in like um, shallow water with the big like cattails or whatever you want to call yeah. it, the reeds. And he was hiding in there with just his head out, uh, but just enough to where the dog could get him and just freaking, and when we got him, I mean, he just ripped open his throat. Yeah. And he fucking killed him, right? Killed him. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. But, so Digo, and I don't know if you remember a dog named Breston. Um, I do remember Breston. Um, Digo and Breston were the first two dogs that came here with the Warrior Dog Foundation. So, um, you know, it, it's... You had Digo, didn't you? Uh, here, yeah. Okay, that's yeah, right. For, okay, for got you. She had almost five years. That's right. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Dog. Once once Digo retired, he came here. I mean, he was he was pissing vinegar until the day he died. I mean, he mm-hmm. was just an absolute motherfucker uh, in all the best ways possible. I, I but, want what he has yeah, because yeah. that dog was <laughs> yeah. like, not even of this world. No, I know. No, he's fucking nuts. I mean, it, uh, yeah, some of the stories I've heard about him that that being one of them. But uh, it it was neat. Uh, and same with Preston. I mean, there's so many stories. I mean, some of them are in are in the the Trident book, but. Uh, 
it, it's so so neat to hear guys who were were on the missions with some of these dogs mm-hmm. and kind of putting putting those pieces together for for us here who had the the honor and pleasure of of taking care of him in his in his twilight years was they were was the pretty real neat, you know? deal yeah. i was just very impressed yeah i mean they would always give you a little nip on the helo yeah like, oh, i just love you good to see you thanks dick thanks yeah. for my camis <laughs> Yeah, it's no shit. Was there uh, any other any other dog stories uh, similar to whether it's a, an IED find or a um, even a cache? I know like some of the cache. Or, yeah, or, the dogs were were good at that. Um, one thing that I always found about the dogs is they use you know use the red dot, the little red yeah. laser, is how they would methodically go through. They we'd have the cameras on them, and they would go through and just attack these dudes. Like they would go behind the curtains, they would go check in the blankets, and I'm like. The training that has to, I just remember thinking like, yeah. like some of us don't even do that. Like, <laughs> like these guys are smarter than us, yeah. but they would methodically go like lower then we go in the upper and you can see their lights. Like if you just lift up, you can see their, um, you know, their lights and it was crazy. I was, um, we, we lost a dog on one of our ops. That was horrible. I, I remember, um, he got shot and, it, uh, Robic was his name. And, uh, that, I mean, that was a horrible, it was actually the same night with Dom and I, where Dom was looking for the eyeballs. It was yeah. actually the same op. Uh, our dog got shot, and and that that op actually there is dudes dressed as women as well. Yeah. So that was a that was a that was a weird night. So, but but I mean, dude, those those dogs do phenomenal things every single night. It's yeah. like we would send the dogs in most of the time before us. I mean, and and then they would flush dudes out. It yeah. was crazy. I mean, they're they're just um, such a vital piece to that yeah. to our mission. You yeah. know, on the battlefield, they're 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 phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's impossible to quantify and put a number on you know the impact that they have. But you know, could you even even begin to put kind of a ballpark like there's there's X number of guys, or you know for a fact like there are dudes, maybe even yourself included, that are here today because of of some of those dogs. I, I would say quite a few. I mean, I, I, not just one or two. I'd say quite a few. I mean, it's yeah. just the. Um, it's insane, yeah. but the, the capabilities that they have, and like, and I don't know all the training that go goes into it, but I mean, you guys do a phenomenal job. That like, just the the, the trainers that do that, but I mean, yeah, countless, countless yeah. guys, countless yeah. guys. I mean, just you know, dogs sitting, dogs taking guys that were hiding, finding guys that were hiding. Yeah. I mean, one guy with a AK forty seven and a full magazine, that's what thirty rounds, yeah. twenty eight, whatever. Um, that's a lot of dudes, yeah. you know, come and get a guy. I mean, and a dog takes that guy out. I mean, yeah. that's, that could say five to six dudes right there. Yeah. And that, yeah. that happened quite a bit. Yeah. So the, uh, did you guys do anything for, uh, for Robic when he was, do you guys have any type of memorial thing? We, or? we did. We had something, I, I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, but we, we did do something for Cause him. That, Cause that's one of the things they do on the quarter deck at, at the command. It's actually, right? I got a, I got a tattoo of Robic right here. Dude, that's fucking awesome. There he is, right there. If you can lift that up for the for the camera, I don't know if you can see that or not. But if uh, if you're listening, check it out on YouTube. You can see a uh, see a, a picture of Robic. That's fucking badass. So yeah, I got that. That was the deployment, and there's a certain number of skulls on there. There's 87. Yeah. <laughs> that's how many kills we had that deployment yeah. oh, <laughs> without air support. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's and it's got uh, Mike Nate and uh, Louis uh, call signs on there. So it's like yeah. kind of my memorial tattoo yeah, for those guys. Awesome. Yeah. So was, was Robic the only dog that you guys lost while you were? Uh... He went for my deployments. Yes, he was the only one. And then obviously Digo got totally jacked up. Yeah. But those are the only uh, only two. Yeah. That's one thing. I, it's one of the most common questions I get is, you know, do dogs get lost a lot? And, and while they do, I mean, the, their capability is such that many times, you know, they they prevent themselves from being from being rolled up, you know, right. percentage wise, like they don't lose a lot of them, you know, I mean, right. they, they are lost, but, 
Um, yeah, I mean, the, the component and, and augmentation and, and asset that they bring to the table for for all of our forces is uh, is hard to hard to overstate it really i'd say it's probably impossible you know it, it's so significant that i remember being ops where there was no dog and not liking it yeah like i don't like this yeah. it's like it was almost like hey i just went on an op without a gun yeah like a so i mean they just blanket. bring a comfort and like having a comfort in that environment anything that you can possibly i mean you know how yeah. it is yeah um that security yeah, blanket. It, totally. And, yeah. and, they, and they provided that yeah. 100% of the time. Yeah. I loved having them there. Yeah. And they're like, we're bringing two dogs. I was like, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can we bring sure. 12? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, now you now you have one from similar lines. Yes, right? I do. And I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Old uh, he is awesome. Breacher. He's a Breacher. fucking handful. He's right? the man. <laughs> Good shit. He's a big teddy bear. Yeah. Well, just like you, right? Right. <laughs> um, all right. Let's slip the, the dogs of war. Goddamn. It's hard to... Uh, Hard not to, it's impossible not to love. I mean, to me, if you don't love dogs, you're fucking communist and you're not welcome in the house. But that's very true. Um, so moving on into the deployments, this is where uh, our paths uh, probably came the close to crossing in terms of just uh, both significance of loss and, uh, and, and shared loss was with the Extortion 17 mission that, uh, you know, is unquestionably the biggest blow to naval special warfare in the. Mm-hmm in the history of it. Um, and I know, uh, I'll let you kind of tell the story cause I know your, your personal situation, uh, was woven into that story right, pretty significantly. Right. But for me, I'll just, you know, when I heard about it, I had just come back I was on my way back from doing some training with the West coast canine program. I was driving back to, to Texas and, uh, and one of my former business partners called and, and told me about it. And I just, I mean, fucking heart sunk you know mm-hmm. and, and I, I went to the the memorial out on the east coast and, and ran into a bunch of guys I, I knew a number of those guys but i was not on gold squadron the way you were so if you can walk us through that uh, I'd, I'd love to hear it so after before uh gold's before that deployment when extortion happened um i went through a divorce and somehow I got custody of three children. Yeah. <laughs> so here I am, an operator. I like can barely take care of myself. Yeah. I can like operate overseas, um, and I get custody of an eight-month-old uh, f- boy, a four-year-old daughter, and a nine-year-old daughter. So that says a lot about maybe your former significant other. If uh, a judge is it like, says, you know, what, you need it those. It says kids. quite a bit. It oh, says Jesus quite a fuck. bit. So like I was trying to do the 50, 50 so I could still, like I wasn't, you know, even going to say, Hey, I'll stop deploying. I'll just do a training thing. Uh, but I got full custody and I was like in shock. And this was two weeks before deployment. This is the deployment before extortion. This is when Adam Brown passed away. Yeah. So I didn't go on that deployment because I was raising these children or trying to learn how to like hashtag how to be a dad because yeah. I, I had no freaking clue. This this makes me think of a of a movie Pacifier uh, where where rock <laughs> like the rock would play you in a movie and be like Mr. Mom two I'll play the rock. How's that? No. <laughs> I imagine I can see Disney making some shit like that. I mean, it sounds like a fucking movie. Yeah, I've, I've actually like been thought like thought about writing a book on that whole piece, you like because that is like a really battle in itself, yeah. like just taking care of those children. That was crazy. I mean, you you got the. The deployments and the killing and you're losing your buddies and now like hey three kids take care of one's eight month in diapers yeah. what the hell's a diaper yeah like it's Christ. so um that was the worst time of my life and it was the best time of my life because yeah. i learned how to be a dad and i got to be with those children that are the number one thing in my life so that yeah. that's um definitely a blessing so i did that um i remember my 
the the guy that I told you was kind of my mentor at Team Two, and then he later became the Command Master Chief. I was actually in Dick's Sporting Goods, and I was pushing my cart, and I had my my son in like in like the little like carrier in the cart, and then my two little ones, and he just looks at me, and he just like shakes his head, and I go, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, f my life, like this is this is this is literally happening right now, um, but. Anyways, did that, and then uh, what, what worked out was that my ex-wife would get the children during the summer. Yeah. So it worked out that the deployment extortion was was actually one week after the kids were gone. Yeah. So I went back. I was like, hey, I'd love to jump on this deployment. Uh, like, jump back on my team. Like, I'll just be a shooter. Carry whatever you want me to do. I'll you know carry everything. I don't care. Uh, I just want to deploy. You know, one more time. I kind of looked like that. I'm like, was I being selfish with that? You know, considering I had three kids and I'm putting myself back in harm's way. Um, but I'm also, you know, there's also a second, there's another side to that. It's like your boys, yeah, you, you know, like it that. is man. Like you get off that train, you see your boys like punching out and still taking the fight to the enemy. You miss that. It's like, yeah. it's like a, it's like oxygen. It's like yeah. blood. It's well, you like, feel a sense of responsibility. Yeah, totally. And then when, and then I got to call it, um, you know, that deployment I told you I missed where Adam Brown passed. Um, I got to call it. I think it was two in the morning from my team leader. Um, he's like, hey, Adam, Adam just passed. And like, we were just we're on the phone, like crying, talking, doing shots, talking about Adam for a couple hours. Um, yeah. So I was like, dude, I, I, I got to go on this. And I only did, I think it was only like a 60 day deployment because that's all I could do with the kids school schedule. So I went on it and I was set to come back uh, three days after, excuse me, three days before extortion happened. I was supposed to come back uh, like like five days after extortion or something like around there. I was supposed to come back the same time when the guys, you know, when their bodies came back. So extortion happened. And I remember watching, we call it kill TV. You got like all the TVs watching the operations and there was two helos and one of them went down and, you know, we're like trying to get radio comms like, Hey, cause we knew all our guys were on one of the helos and one of them just had the, um, the air crew. Mm-hmm. Obviously we don't want anyone to get killed, but obviously it was the, um, you know, our guys, and I remember watching that and then they just kind of zoomed in on the crash site and you can just see like four or five bodies, like just kind of on the backside that were on the, the, on the tail of the, of the helo just kind of spilled out. And, um, whew, um, I don't even have words to really put to that, to that, to that feeling. Uh, cause my best friend was on there, Jason Workman. Uh, I met him at Team Two. Uh, Matt Mills. I mean, robberies. I mean, I could just go on. Lou Langless. I mean, there's just so many, so many awesome guys on there. Uh, but like Workman. I mean, that was my best friend. Like he was my best buddy, and uh, it sucked. I mean, it was like shit. And just the the families, and just how many families were affected by this. These great warriors. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe there's still hope. Maybe there, maybe there's still some alive. Maybe there's still some alive. And we tried to go go get the bodies and the NRC is like, you're not going like, what do you mean? We're not fucking going. We're fucking going. Like, are you kidding me? That's our guys. And I, and I understand his thought process now is like, he didn't want us to see our guys charred and um, you know, whatever I've, I've heard the stories after from some Ranger buddies that, that went and actually, you know, took care of that cleanup, uh, the cleanup of that mess. It's probably good that we didn't get to see that because the, I mean, as you know, those images are just ingrained in your mind. But I was set to come back because uh, I had to be back for the kids uh, like a few weeks later or something like that. And then uh, Jason's workman's family, uh, Stacy, his widow, asked me to bring his body back. And I, of course, I'll just come back early. So I, I, I came back with Jason. Um, and I remember 
And you see those pictures of like a dog kind of sitting next to the casket that just lost their owner. That was kind of like me with Jason. I was like, I would like, you know, we like we're on the C-17 flying back and you just got these metal caskets. We got, I can't remember how many caskets were in there because there was extra body parts and there was four or five of us that came back with the, with the, um, with the bodies. And oh, talk about a freaking experience, man. Just like being with your, 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 your buddies are in there. You kind of want to see them, but you don't want to see them. I just remember laying next to his casket because I knew which one was his. I made sure I find it, found out. And I was with his body for, I think it was like two and a half weeks because we had to fly into Dover. I had a time to go down to my house, kind of get things, get my like my blues, all that stuff, because I was going to take the, uh, what they call the angel flights to Utah, to his family. And my girlfriend at the time flew in, uh, saw her for like a day, flew back up to Dover, Sit up there, and then we took the angel flight and had to drop off another dead body in like Missouri or something from an army guy. Like, it's just a weird experience. Like, we're just dropping off these dead bodies. We get to Utah, and while this is happening, there's all these memorial service because I think that there were so many of our guys, like, we're just, you know, and you know, they had the command got, you know, buses to go hit all these memorial services. And I really couldn't do them because I was with Jason. I had to stay with his body, which was, you know, was an honor. It was an honor to be with him because, I mean, I, you know, he came in after me. He kind of like, you know, the, the, you know, the student kind of became the teacher. I mean, he was just so talented at, at everything he did and, and, and so good looking. God, like the best, <laughs> best flowing hair. I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, so I was with him and his family and, you know, um, a lot of drinking, a lot of suppressing feelings, a lot of just like, I don't want to be sober right now. I don't want to feel uh, so obviously alcohol was huge and alcohol kicked in big time for me when I got the custody of the kids, like at night when they'd be in bed, I'd be like, all right, wine time. Um, <laughs> like, I, like, I didn't want to do hard liquor cause I know how I can get on that stuff. So yeah. I'm like, I'll fight you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was just like, all right, I'll drink some wine. But, uh, like it just, it was just weird just be with his body. And then, you know, we have a service for them and, uh, what's cool is uh, you ever heard of Robert O'Keen? Yeah, he sings a lot of awesome. Yeah. He's got a lot of really good songs. But the he they they reached out to him because it was Jason, one of Jason's favorite singers. He came up to the funeral, didn't even hesitate. Oh, sure, played a song, um, and then you know took off. I mean, it was awesome. Like it was a really great service. And then took his body back to Arlington, where they have the big service where they put everyone in the grave. And then um, that's when I was done. Yeah. And I was with his body for. Enough to where they would open the caskets and like it, I, I saw exactly kind of what happened. I mean, he was rap, but you could tell like he wasn't the same because he was a tall guy. I think he was like 6'2", 6'3", and he wasn't that, you know. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained. Covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Um, so, do you do you know uh, from a from a tactical standpoint uh, what exactly happened? Because I, I mean, I've heard a lot of different variations yeah, of it. We all have. Um, <clears throat> You know, I, I've heard, you know, the conspiracies and this and that, and were they using the right birds? No, but we did it again. And well, you know, the whole lone survivor thing, right? We did it with not having um, ISR. We wanted to go get the bad guys. They got hit with an RPG. The helicopter went down and it's called war and it's not fair and it sucks. And that's what happened. 
Yeah. That is that is what I firmly believe in my heart. Yeah. Um, do I know all the external pieces that people are claiming or saying? No, and I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I know that there was good men on that helicopter because whatever stuff we want to try to bring up or stuff that we, it, it's not going to change anything. You're not going to bring them back. You're not going to change anything. Mm. It doesn't matter. So just respect those men, carry on their, their, uh, their, the legend that they were and move on. Like if you just like dwell on and try to like blame somebody, the fact of the matter is those men are no longer here and you can't change that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah I mean, we could, we get, I guess that kind of goes to the mindset. We can kind of sit there and tread water mm-hmm. and just like, how do I get to land? Or we can start swimming to land. Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, that's yeah. kind of like what you need to do. Instead of uh, treading water and thinking about how fucked you are. Like right. Just, just fucking start. Or swimming. just make, or, or find a solution. Yeah. I mean, the bottom, you're not bringing it back. Yeah. It sucks. It's hard. And I know a lot of the families, they, they grieve and had to, and it's, it's way harder for them than it was for me, obviously, because yeah. they weren't my family, but yeah. they kind of were too. I mean, I did, Years and years and years training, drinking, having great times with these guys, getting yeah. deep with these guys, knowing their families. So, yeah. uh, you know, brothers, not by blood, but I mean, it's, it is hard. It sucks. Yeah. It, it does suck. Yeah. Um, and I'm not taking that away from any family, but um, it's yeah. war. Yeah. And war's not fair. Is there an element, like, from a survivor's guilt standpoint of, like, fuck you, I should, because let, let's say that the, the custody thing had never <laughs> taken place. That's would funny you, you, would you have been on that? You know, it's kind of funny you say that. Um, when I chose to come back for my, it was, I volunteered again to come back to do that deployment. As I was talking to Jason, he's like, dude, come with us. He's like, it'll be fun. Like, just hang out with us. Get and the I, band back together. But, but we, we weren't in the same platoon. I was like, no, I got to go back with my same team. I got I to gotta, gotta, gotta run with them. And I wanted so bad to go hang out with them. Yeah. Um, but there was, that, there was a, that, that moment where like, hey, I could like push and I probably would have got it to go. I want to go with these guys. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I did not do that. I went back was like, cause I was led to go back with my, um, you know, my original team. Um, but yeah, it's it like flip of a coin though. It's, it sucks, man. There's not a day that goes by. I don't think of those guys. Think of the memories that we have, the stupid crap we did. Um, I mean, just, I can't, I can't, they're, they're just amazing. They yeah. do, they're just amazing. Every one of them, they had their own little thing. Yeah. Um, I can still remember Rob Reeves coming in with a calculator watch and a members only jacket. I'm like, you are the coolest dude I've ever met. Like who wears a calculator watch? Yeah. He's like, I wear a calculator watch. I was like, yes, you do. So, I mean, there's just so many great stories of all these guys. I like, I mean, that, that's a 18 pot. I mean, a thousand podcasts just to, yeah. to cover, you know, the accolades and the great things these guys did. But, yeah. uh, I mean, they're they're in a better place, I believe, and uh, you know, I love them to death, and yeah. they're just they made a great impact on my life that I can carry on uh, yeah. to you know my children. So, yeah. I uh, I did an Iraq deployment with Matt Mills. It was his first uh, first deployment, and uh, the, the Mangler. He is uh, oh my god, he is so intense. Yeah, I mean, we, we used to spar like yeah. when my background was no fighting. Yeah. He was always my sparring partner because yeah. we're about the same size. And that guy sweat so much. Yeah. He would throw a punch and you <laughs> go to like, in, in, in sweat would come off and it would land in your eye. And yeah. you're like blind. And you're like, I can't even see. You're killing me with your sweat. And you freaking suck. I'm like, dude, I'd be like, stop, go wipe your face off. Like get that sweat off your face. Fucking grasshopper <laughs> spitting at you. Totally yeah. dude. Yeah. My, uh, um, Chris Campbell was, uh, was my first roommate. We went through buds together and, uh, Chris is a great guy. And, yeah. I mean, just, and there was a number, a number of other team, three guys that I didn't know quite as well, but, but knew him and had worked with him briefly or whatever. But I, you know, for me, it was tough and, and to, to even try to put myself in your guys' shoes of, of being from that squadron and, and working with those guys. And it just, 
you know, it's a, it's a tough thing to even, even think about. It's a tough for the whole community. We all, you know, we're all tied some way. Um, you know, guys worked with them here, whatever. And there's all those memories that are built and then you lose them. It's like, yeah, I mean, it is, it's real. I mean, it's very, yeah. One of the things I've noticed in, in doing this, uh, interview with you is, is I'm, I'm, I find it remarkable how, how fucking composed you are in talking about it. Uh, cause a lot of guys aren't, uh, even, even with our background, you know, I've had plenty of guys get fucking choked up on here and whatever. And I'm, I'm curious, is there an element of what we were kind of talking about earlier in terms of the, the deadening or, or the, the diminishing of, of emotional bandwidth that takes place? Because I, I firmly believe that it's like with anything, you know, and we use a lot in dog training and desensitizing dogs mm-hmm. to things that, that freak them out slowly. You do it calculated mm-hmm. so that now it doesn't bother them anymore. But I think with, with our type of experiences, yours, you know, tenfold over mine, but that, you know, you, you experience something that's that traumatic, that's that heartbreaking, that's that emotionally uh, devastating over and over and over. And it gets to the point where it, it stops kind of registering. Um, and I'm curious, is, is that, do you feel like that's an element uh, of, of where you're at? I spent, uh, it's a, it's a great question. And some of your listeners might be like, oh, you're full of crap. And a lot of your listeners can be like, oh, cool. That, so that is a real thing. Um, I, I was dead to emotion for a long time by pills, by alcohol, by women by i mean just you name it anything to not think about it i don't want to feel i don't want to feel i don't want to feel um and then i i i found faith in christ and uh and it i i mean my eyes were opened um i cried a lot i still cry a lot um but it just kind of opened me up and kind of like, hey, like you're 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 not you're not just here. And my my fa- I have a very strong faith. Do I mess up all the time? Oh my god, daily, like five times daily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm cussing. I'm like, oh, I should be cussing at you. You know better than that. But it's like, but but you're human. Yeah. Did you grow up with that? No, no I didn't. I no, my um, my girlfriend at the time, I went to. I was drinking a lot and being stupid, and she. Um, it was. It's called True North Ministries. It was out in Oklahoma, and it was a three day boot camp. No cell phone, no nothing. And I never prayed. I never. And I'm I like. And it was a. Um, it's a. It's a program that was called Wild at Heart. Originally started by John Eldridge out of uh, Colorado. And I was like, I remember I got there. I was like, oh, cool. I'll just have a couple beers. You know, it's it's fine. And then, um, and like, there's no alcohol. I'm like, what do you mean there's no alcohol? This is a gathering of men. <laughs> it's all men. There's no alcohol. Like, it's just very weird for me. I've never done any Christian based anything and so i'm listening to this stuff and i just like and there's like these segments there's like three or four segments a day like hour long and then you go pray i've never prayed before um and then i just see guys like they're talking about like a father wound i'm like i don't have any father wounds i'm fine and i just see dudes and like the audience like start crying they're just getting they're just getting taken out in a good way and they're just coming to realization and they're like okay this is it and then like once you realize and you admit it and then you can kind of move on from it uh, so I finally got hit like day three. I got hit like a, fr- I mean, I got hit so hard of just this peace, this feeling, and um, and I and I'm I'm not saying I'm a perfect Christian because I there's no such thing. I, I I sin daily and I try to do get better myself all the time, but that has helped me reading the Bible, doing devotionals in the night, praying at night, and um and I remember after that when I left that boot uh, that little Christian boot camp. It was like a three-hour drive back to Tulsa where I was living at the time. I, I cried the whole way. I cried the whole freaking 
way. I tried to call my girlfriend. I would be able to get like 10 words, start crying, like I gotta call you back. And I would just start crying. It's just like this peace, this feeling I've never felt before, like my body was being warmed. And I was like, okay, God, like since we're like trying this prayer thing, like, okay, if you're real, like I'm like literally testing him. Um, if you're real, like show me you're real, like show me you're real. And I remember walk, I was driving by this car wash and, um, and I was like, am I saved? Because I'm like, man, I've killed, I've killed a lot of people. I, and I've, I've killed a lot of people. I have, I've sinned. I've cheated. I've, you know, when I was younger, I've stole. I stole like a Baby Seal magazine, felt bad for that. <laughs> I mean, just like, just like I've done so many things, surely I can't be saved. And I was driving by this car wash and, and you know the others, um, like their signs, like the red letters, it just kind of flashes by. I don't know what those signs are called. But it literally, I just like, I prayed. I'm like, if you're real, like, tell me, tell me I'm saved. Like, tell me I'm saved. I look up in this car wash and it says saved. Oh, shit. Not say, it doesn't say save $15. It said saved with a D. Yeah. And I was like, and I just started crying again. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Like, I just, um, and since then, so many things, but that, that, that's why I'm composed because I accept it for what it is. Like, I know you can't bring it back. Yeah. And, and I believe that, you know, heaven is a better place than what we're dealing with here. And uh, I do believe in good and evil. Uh, so, so that's why. I, I would probably go to that, that, yeah. that my faith is the one. Um, yeah. but, but I, trust me, I've, I've been through the torment. I've grieved a lot. I still have my moments. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we do that dive trip for Louie. I know that when I'm there with, uh, with Dom, um, and Jamie and, and Louie's family, it's going to come up again. And I, and I, and I accept that. And that's okay. It's okay to have those feelings. Yeah. I used to think you can't have feelings because we're all these alpha males. We can't have feelings. You can't have feelings. That's bullshit. You're just gonna. What's gonna happen is you're gonna explode, and I've done. I've done that plenty of times, and I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. So. Well, it's. I mean, to me, it's remarkable and uh, and really neat. You know, sitting across the desk to hear all the things you've been through and, and how you've handled it and, and where you're at now, and you know, having kids and, and moving on and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I'd, I'd love to get before we get into kind of what you're doing now and, and giving some some advice on some of the security type uh, type issues that I've got written down here. Mm -hmm. Just if you could talk to the, the family component and, and from getting out and, and transitioning out of the military and, and losing that identity to a certain extent. I mean, we're all, always, always, always going to have always been a SEAL, but there's right. there's a, a huge disparity between being an active duty frogman and a, and a used to be. Absolutely. Uh, and so can you walk us through that transition out? Yeah. So when I was at my 17 year mark, uh, that's when I got kind of got custody of my kids after extortion. And I obviously didn't want to get out, so I tried to find a position, what I could do. And as I, I mean, it was just a blessing in disguise. And um, and I did they had those coordinator positions, and I did that for the last three years, where just training guys that want to be SEAL, SWIC, EOD, rescue swimmers, um, but any any of the special kind of things that the Navy has. So you just train them, kind of put them through the through the ringer, and see. And it's it's ended up saving the Navy money when they get to buds. So they're like, oh. You know, I realized the water is cold. This sucks. I just costed, you know, X amount of dollars. Turns out I can't do six pull-ups. I can't do, exactly. So it was cool uh, to kind of give back, to try to feed into these guys uh, as best I could. Because I know when I was going in, I wish I had somebody feeding into me. I had like movies, yeah. right? Uh, so it was cool. And I was able to get my uh, bachelor's in security management. So I took advantage of my time. I didn't like just waste it. And then I started... Um, my company contingent group um, during that time, but the 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 op tempo of going from going out every night and shooting dudes and just that intensity 
to going to raising three children by yourself and being domesticated, I would like to call it, and trying to be a father figure and try to lead the right way. It's a different kind of leading than Mm -hmm. the battlefield. Battlefield is get your fucking ass in the door and kill that dude. We need to get in there right now where it's like, it's okay, honey. I understand you're stressed about school today. Like, what do we want to talk about? Like, tell me about your feelings. What are you feeling? I had to read so many books because I I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I don't know what, I don't know what this is. You know, it's, it was, so I kind of like called the war after war. Like if I do write a book, it will be called the war after war because there's, I mean, as you know, it's like your guys are out doing what you've trained your whole life to do. And now I'm like taking care of kids. But I mean, like I look back at it now, it's like, Oh my God, like I missed out on so many good years with these guys. Like, Oh, like I love my children. They're amazing. Oh, now I'm getting choked up. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about my kids. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I know for me, like I've gone through, you know, the full game. My kids are a little bit older now, but um, you know, haven't been through, you know, having them after I deployed, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and 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 I was an instructor, so you know, trying to balance <clears throat> and not treat them like they're fucking white shirt bud students, right? And have these expectations that they're it's, a nineteen year old man tough. that wants to be a seal. Like it, it's it, it's it still is hard for me. It's very hard uh, to not just be like, you know, hey, do this. And it's like if you if you're not doing it like your fucking asshole is on fire, you're then, wrong. then you're wrong. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to go to level twelve exactly. now. You know, in, until you get there. And 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 me trying to balance that and 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 leverage you know high expectations, good standards, being a you know a, a role model not just in in talk but mostly in action of saying you know I'm going to show you how to how to do these things right. and I'm going to show you the principles that I'm going to live, live my life by so that you can hopefully w- try and want to emulate them etc uh, all while balancing like you know I'm not going to take an ounce of fucking attitude and you know mm-hmm. you're going to have manners and respect for your elders you're not going to be one of those assholes uh, you know that that uh, is on world star hip hop because you're fighting with a fucking teacher you know all of those things in conjunction with you know again the emotional uh, interaction that you have, especially with girls, you know, right. of, of not jumping their shit and understanding that they're they're hardwired different and their their emotions are vastly different, especially at that age. And it's just like for guys like us, that is a whirlwind mm-hmm. of of razor blades, you know. Yep. That, that that's just like holy fucking Christ. It's a daily challenge, you know. But um, yeah, so I mean, I, I can't even imagine doing it by yourself with three of them. Yeah, it was. Uh, whew. <laughs> like I just I just thinking about. It. I remember calling my mom like mom. Um, so I need your help for a few weeks because I, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like yeah. learning out what diapers and... Ba- yeah, it, it was a holy learning experience. But what's so cool about that is just like going from operation to like learning to take care of three kids. It's like humans are awesome. Yeah. Humans are freaking awesome. Yeah, they're resilient. That's like for sure. We can, we can do some shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Re- replace the, uh, the M60 with an eight-month-old. There you go. What... Um, so, you know, in, in terms of the transition from, excuse me, getting out to starting contingent, can you walk us through that uh, that process of how that, that took place? So probably about a, a buddy I was at Team 2 with, I think this is probably around my 18-year mark. He was like, hey, you want to do some side work? And I was like, heck yeah, like, because I just lost all this money from leaving the command. I don't have like a hazard duty pay and all that stuff. I was like, sure. So it was protection work, EP work for um, a, a you know a billionaire family, and I just started doing it, and it was great pay. And I was um, I was like, well, I can I can see a business here. I got this experience, this experience, and then so I just started. You know, I got the insurance, started having guys subcontract at first, and then I was like, well, if we can do this, 
when we can do background checks and we can do surveillance and we can do this and like let's what does kidnapping stuff look like and then it just okay well we can do vehicles too so it just kind of like morphed into like just on protection to okay we can do it all now yeah so it, it's definitely morphed in the first two years we're in business out it was just me yeah just doing contracting for a friend and then i finally started reaching out to try to get my own clients and then finally got my own clients yeah fuck that's great do you have a uh a 30 second elevator pitch for for what the company does that you can share that like this is who we are and what we do yes uh so contingent group does pretty much anything that revolves like involves safety and security for an individual family an organization uh it doesn't matter where they are overseas we're, we're worldwide mm-hmm. um so we just kind of like pretty much design your security program. So if you have, for an example, you have an organization that works in you know Mexico, for example, we will take care of the safety and security piece from when they leave wherever their home is, when they get down there, set up the drivers, set up the hotels, and we do our background checks. We have all our connections down there. We have our intel people down there, um, and we're gathering information. And we just keep them safe. Whatever they've got going on, it doesn't matter. Construction site, I mean, they're developing, yeah. or if they're just going down there for a vacation. Whatever it is, we take care of it all. That's yeah. we we do it, and it, and it doesn't matter where. And it can be from you know one guy doing an assessment to a full blown. It team could be yeah, like obviously it starts with an assessment, and then I mean now we're going into we do kidnapping and ransom things. Like actually, if somebody gets you know snatch we'll go get them like we actually physically go get them oh shit oh yeah so we we will we will take care of some business (laughs) (laughs) that's fucking great still gotta have your fun right yeah yeah no absolutely um so for you know for most of the people listening who aren't billionaires um you know one of the things i like to to try to offer uh as a as a takeaway for the listener is is just i've got kind of a list of of things you know, security tip type things, obviously, you know, we don't have days to give away the playbook, but just kind of some, some bullet point style, uh, tips or, or things that people can kind of think about to be a little more self-aware about, uh, how they live their life. And I've just got a couple of them written down here. I'm, I'm curious to get your take of, of what you, you feel like providing. But one thing I'm curious of is, you know, a guy, you know, from you doing assessments and you see, you know, again, whether they're rich, poor, a huge corporation, a family, whatever, is what are some of the biggest and or most common mistakes people make uh, or take for granted in their day-to-day life? Complacency. They think um, it won't, the old, it won't happen to me. And I always, I always tell this to clients, and if we go do like a travel safety or a, um, um, a teaching of something like that, if we're, you know, we're schooling people up, is there's not one victim that said, I'm going to be a victim. Yeah. There's not one out there. They're like, hey, today I'm going to go get shot in the head. Yeah. They didn't think it was going to happen or else there would be no victims because like, crap, this is going to happen if I go do this. Yeah. So there's no like pre-trip, like if I, like, um, you know, if we're going to go do something, I'm going to go uh, to Brazil. I'm just going down there for a day. I'm just going to get a taxi. Okay, well, do you know about the taxis? Do, is there a lot of kidnappings that happen from those taxi services? Like people just assume that it's okay. Yeah. And it's not okay. It's not America. Yeah. That's why if you leave America and you go to these other countries, I'm not saying all countries are bad, but some of them are pretty brutal. They have a different way of thinking. Yeah. They have different crime. Mm-hmm. You know, like <clears throat> Chicago. We know that that's you don't go to certain areas because murder is bad, right? Yeah. The same thing. They have the same thing. But theirs might be taxis you never get in a taxi yeah well i think a lot of that with that it's cultural too that that like we have zero contextual um 
you know, even you, you can't even contextually wrap your mind around like because, oh. because it's so second nature. Well, you can get in an Uber and it's it's safe and it's fine and you know it's whatever. But we do we do these things that we we sell on our um, on our website. They're called wrist snapshots. They're just a one page PDF that you can. I mean, they're like twenty bucks, but it just gives you situational awareness before you go because we're trying to like help everyone out because yeah. a lot of our prices are more for design for um, higher end clients. But I, I, we, you know, we're reading them and we're, we're putting them together. And there's certain countries. If you get in a car accident, you're going to jail. No shit. Even if it's not your fault, yeah. you're going to jail. So like, there's the, like, okay, well, I need to know about that. Or yeah. like, I mean, there's there's so many things that if you do this, you're going to jail. Things that are perfectly fine here, like public display of affection. Yeah. People don't understand that. They're just like, oh, I'm good. I'm just going to yeah. go over there. But if you just like literally. And you could do it yourself. It's called research. It's called yeah, Google yeah. or Bing or whatever the hell you want to use. Um, and it's just they don't they don't think about it. They're yeah. like, it's okay. I'll be fine. It won't happen. Slap you. your old slap your old lady on the ass and you end up in prison. It, it, and you end up in prison. Yeah, and now and you, it, now you're getting it. And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you're getting slapped. On yes, the ass. exactly. And it's not an American prison where you have Miranda mm-hmm. rights and whatever else. It's like, hey, fuck. It happens me. all yeah. the time. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, look at China. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, yeah. I'll just take this. With me, no, 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 because <laughs> yeah. they are sucking all your information out of your phone yeah. as soon as you walk through customs. Yeah, yeah. People just don't understand that, and they they really need to. Yeah. Um, so I've got just a couple things written down in terms of kind of taking that same approach uh, online. Uh, any any um, advice you can offer in terms of uh, online things take for granted or just kind of a, a synopsized? I, I always recommend like a, a VPN, like keeping your stuff si- um, safe. Never use public Wi-Fi, um, hotel Wi-Fi. Always have your personal password protected, like router. Yeah. Um, my, my Intel guy would be better at explaining this stuff than I am. But um, you you go in there, like people are very savvy and they can get in your stuff, credit card information, personal information. Yeah. They can get in your computer and just run your computer. Yeah. Do you guys offer any any type of uh, training as, as it relates to that? Um, we do the whole gamut, like everything from, you know, intelligence, from like your 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 server stuff, all the, all the way up to physical security. So yeah. we do it both. Sweet. Information security and yeah. physical security. Okay, yes. great. Uh, next one I have is just house, like r- regular residential house things that people take for granted or that, uh, you know, that they, they generally fuck up or overlook, or is there any kind of things, I guess, from your experience that, that you find the most common that when you walk into a house to do an assessment, like people always fuck this up Mm -hmm. they always have this wrong or whatever. You know, it's a lot of people, they don't lock their doors. They're they're like, I'm letting the dog out or I'm bringing the dog in. I'll just like, I have a fence. I'm just going to keep this door unlocked. Yeah. You got to lock your doors. And another thing, if you can see, if you just look up YouTube or on Instagram or, excuse me, Facebook, is you need to be prepared for the worst. There's videos out there where there's four guys with guns kick down a door because I can kick down a door. Guys can kick like that door can get kicked down, period. Okay, what do you do if you're in the shower? What do you do if your baby's in the other room? What if you're making dinner and that happens? Do you have a plan? Like a lot of people don't have plans or protocols. Yeah. And... Some a lot of times the person that is like I need to have a plan they don't bring their family into the plan yeah and you need to have everybody involved like okay medical what if yeah. somebody gets stabbed 
How are we going to deal with that? Yeah. Um, the communication. What if yeah. they put a jammer out there? How are you guys going to communicate? Yeah. Just certain things like that that people don't think about that 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 can happen and does happen yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, and people don't really want to. It won't. They'll do. It won't happen to me yeah. until it does, because yeah. it will. <laughs> and it, well, and the thing. I mean, I've had incidents happen to me. I mean, it, to me, it's no different than when you're overseas and a gunfight breaks out. I mean, it happens so fucking fast mm-hmm. that, like, I don't. I mean, even if you have a plan, you have shit staged around the house, you have all these mitigation protocols put in place. Like, it, it will still catch you with your fucking pants down every single fucking exactly time, but you know? better like having a plan is better than having no plan yeah, plain yeah. and simple it's just like a football team right yeah we got plays and so with travel i have both uh you know in in conus you know here in the states and overseas i mean it sounds like you know downloading the the pdf one pager if you're going anywhere is, is a good option but it's a know. it's a great option and that's just like a um hey here's your medical natural disasters here's kind of like the the trending crime because we update it all the time every uh, depending on country, how, how often we update it, depending on uh, the news and stuff and our other intel gathering sources that we have. Um, and then we have our recommendations on there, like don't do this, do this, don't do this, like travel in groups, you know, don't don't be drinking this kind of drink because they do this. Um, but we also go in depth, like if you want to jump on a phone call and really get into it, I can really tell you all the way up to we'll send one of our guys with you all the way to we'll set up your driving services all the way. Because when we go, we bring our medical team with us. We have our medical because a lot of these countries, medical sucks. Yeah, It's not like you're screwed. Yeah. Um, so it just depends on obviously finances and the area they're going to, but we do it all. Um, you know, we were down in Mexico and uh, I think it was last year. There was a big hurricane or hurricane, sorry, big earthquake in Mexico city. I mean, just crazy. And our client, one of our clients was landing and I'm there with uh, my, my colleague and the ground shaken. And because of the protocols that we had in place, we got him out of there because the, the city turned to chaos. Yeah. Uh, so if we didn't have that though, and we were able to get everybody off, we had like different ways to get people out of there, not by commercial aircraft, yeah. just in case. Yeah. So uh, the perfect example, and it worked. And yeah. the client's like, "I'm glad we have you guys." Yeah. So the the, uh, the contingency plan. Exactly. You yeah. gotta have them. Yeah. More than one. Do you guys do any any stateside traveling uh, mm-hmm. type type stuff? And I guess obviously the the overseas piece is, mm-hmm. is much more complicated and, and it depends on where you're going and things of that nature but is there anything you can offer as just kind of a, a freebie for uh, for stateside travel that you'd uh, that you see people fuck up or get complacent it on? would go back to the like the um you know using like hotel wi-fi like yeah. it's you need to have your own personal one there's no i mean just especially for businesses that are you know they have certain information and they're sending back and forth. You, if you're t- if you're not providing your guys with what they call a MeFi or a personal hotspot, you're 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 so wrong. Yeah. I think that's the biggest piece. And just traveling around town at night um, with that. If you don't know that city, you're not foreign to that city uh, by yourself, yeah. and not having some kind of protective thing. Like we we sell um, our contingent group executive pin. I got one for you by the way. Oh sweet. Um, it's just a pin, but it doesn't look like transformers appendage. You know, some of those defensive <laughs> pins, it's yeah. like, dude, that is set. like yeah. this one actually gets you through TSA. Yeah. I've taken it to many different countries, yeah. never had a problem with it. And I always keep it in my pocket and I always have something. So yeah. it's like something is better than nothing. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I mean, I recommend always like a firearm if you can, but obviously if certain States won't allow that, then you can't, yeah. um, a blade depending on, you know, local laws. And then you kind of go down the, the order 
order. Like, all right, pepper spray. Okay, a defensive pen. Okay, yeah. a personal alarm. Okay, don't do this. You know yeah. what I mean? Do, do you guys do, um, like, if it, let's say I call you up and, and you don't know me from a fucking can of paint, which would probably be better. Uh, <laughs> is it, you know, I say, hey, I'm traveling to fucking pick a state. You know, I'm going to Michigan and I'm going to be in a shitty part of Detroit for a business meeting. Do you guys offer customized packages like that where you'll research like where they're going and, and plan a route? I mean, like, can, can people contract you guys to do shit like that? Too? Absolutely. And we do. We always work with local law enforcement or local vendors that we have vetted and have worked with in the past. Because obviously with our, our network from our backgrounds, we have a, a, yeah. a huge network globally. Um, but, a lot, you know, a lot of people, it's kind of funny you say that is like people be like, hey, I need this. I need this. And then I'm like, OK, well, we need this, 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 this information. What hotel you're staying? What are your dates? Where are you working? Like and they're, they're just kind of like fishing. Mm. So we we have a validation process before we even give them any information. Yeah. And um, and but but yeah, of course, absolutely. Yeah. Wherever you're going, it's like it's like the SEAL teams, right? Yeah. We'll be anywhere within yeah. 24 hours. Yeah. We're, the, we're the exact same. Yeah. I mean, we have clients that need something in like. Like, like Nairobi, like we need this for this. How fast can you get it to us? Like really fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, we have those, those connections yeah. made. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, from a, from an identity theft standpoint, is, is that something that you guys do much with? Um, um, we can, we can take care of it. We haven't had a need for it. Um, I think we maybe had one time where it was being utilized, but we have, we have our connections to, to deal with that. Yes. So, I mean, it sounds like in terms of all things security related, I mean, you're one stop fucking shop. We, we are one stop. And that's yeah. why I was always my vision is like, we're, I want to be like Target, but we're not going to, our quality, yeah. we will always take quality and, and, and get rid of quantity, but yeah. it's just, we're growing yeah. uh, by bringing more guys on that are, that are qualified to do this. So yeah. um, that's fucking great. So if, if you're listening, I mean, you know, he's got a, a, a stable of fucking pipe hitters working for him that do online stuff, physical security, you know, security details, fucking route planning for travel, overseas shit, hostage rescue, uh, you know, background checks, identity theft. Uh, you know, I would imagine even something as simple as like if somebody wants help disappearing, you know, we can do that. Too. You, know, you know, it's uh, it's almost almost of movie uh, proportion. One of our uh, one of our things that you know you follow us on uh, Instagram is that we give free tips. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're always trying to like, how can we keep keep people safe? Like, hey, did you know you could do this medical security wise? So um, our page is great to follow just because yeah. it gives you free yeah. information. Yeah. Like, why would you not want it? To? Yeah. So, no, there's there's great tips. And all, yes, all we time. do push products sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you have to. That's the way the world works. Same here, which is what I'm about to do, actually. But uh, no. Yes. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's you know, the, the gist of the interview here. I, uh, I I really cannot thank you enough for sharing your story. I mean, the, I appreciate being on. Thank you. You know, I, I, I didn't know you real well uh, before we sat down and, and hearing your story and the things you've been through and knowing some of the uh, same guys that we've known or whatever. It, uh, it's just a real honor to have it's you. It's a small here. world, yeah. and I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you very yeah. much for the invitation. Uh, it's it's truly my pleasure, and, and it will be the guest pleasure. Or they can fucking choke themselves. I, I got to throw that in. There. <laughs> um, but uh, is there anything you want to? Yeah, is there anything you want to want to add uh, before we wrap it up here? Uh, no, I just uh, hope everyone enjoys this and uh, just make right choices. I guess that'd be yeah. the big thing. Yeah. It's like Use my biggest head. mistake, right? Don't yeah. don't do wrong things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If, uh, if you want any of those uh, security uh, packages, uh, if you want to enlist 
uh, eddy or contingent uh, group for any of their services which i've just outlined uh, they can go to just contingentgroup.com contingentgroup.com or they can uh, we're trying to get better at like messaging through instagram but uh, the best thing to do is info at contingentgroup.com okay but send an email or and, and that, that you can find that through the website and, and the handle on instagram is that your primary social media platform uh for contingent group yeah it's yeah. just at contingent group okay all one word all one yeah. word okay so there there's where you can find them uh obviously if uh if you want the best uh hire the best and uh you know in terms of resumes credentials and, and the crew that he has working for him it doesn't get any better than that so uh you do yourself a favor and uh, and and be prepared uh in terms of any of the types of services that they bring Real quick before we wrap up, uh, I want to let everybody know I, I get a lot of questions, uh, dog-related questions. Uh, you know, I, I've done a number of dog podcasts where I open it up and, and people send hundreds, if not thousands, of questions. And, and frankly, a lot of them end up with kind of a similar answer. And it's not me being a a pushy prick trying to plug my own product. In essence, uh, it's that the whole reason I started the online training two and a half years ago is is from all of these questions of saying it'd just be easier to demonstrate it. Let me do a video on it. And, and I spend, you know, 10 or 15 minutes talking about it, 10 or 15 minutes demonstrating it with different dogs, different stages. But the, the team dog dot uh, pet experience uh, has morphed into really a community feel that I, I encourage you guys to check out. I mean, the, the amount of people listening to the podcast, it never fails. I still get question after question after question of people asking me things that are a really basic, which is fine. But B, they're fucking covered on the Team Dog online site. And no different that I don't go to the chiropractor expecting a goddamn free adjustment. Uh, I do get a little bit weary of being asked over and over and over by people I have never met. Uh, you know, all of these dog training questions that I, I provide in my online training. And it's $99 for a fucking year of unlimited access. So I have it. It's worth it. Yeah. You know, so um, <laughs> and I need it. Just just fucking sign up for it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help you guys out. Uh, but realize that this is what I do for a living. Uh, number two is that we've got a, a host of new products coming out uh, here in 2019. We already have the CBD oil. I want to remind people that it is now available in the human flavors uh, in both the full spectrum uh, with key lime and the isolate, uh, which is lemon lime. Uh, and then there's still 200 milligram bottles of the chicken flavor left uh, for pets. But the nice thing is with the new 500 flavors of lemon lime and key lime, you can take them yourself or you can give them to their pets, put it on their food. Uh, I take the shit every day. Uh, I've seen it do wonders in a number of dogs. We've gotten a, a ton of good feedback from uh, a shitload of clients that have bought uh, the Trico CBD oil and uh, it's done wonders. That's uh, tricosupplements.com, all one word. So be on the lookout for uh, new products, collar, leash, crate, food, uh, clickers, pouches, all sorts of shit coming down the pipeline here over the next few months uh, with the Tricos brand and design behind it. And uh, I'm looking forward to offering that for you guys. But uh, again, I want to thank Eddie Penny for showing up and sharing his uh, amazing patriotic story. I, I, on behalf of a grateful nation, thank you for your service because uh, you as well, my fucking friend. pipe hitters like you are the reason our country exists. And so thank you for, thank for everything. You. Everybody listening, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. And uh, as always, until next time, this is Mike Drop. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witnessed accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. 
real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 